welcome to the 211th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, we're currently talking about West Coast Avengers, Avengers West Coast from 1989, John Burns run in the series. So I, I think we just have a couple, couple more issues in a Vision Quest storyline. And then I plan on talking about a couple movies after that and so forth. But 30 minutes more podcasts if this isn't enough. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. And that is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, this week, what do we have? We have like the regulars, Rick and Morty. It's a season finale of Rick and Morty. And spoiler, it wasn't an hour-long season finale. It was like the last two episodes back-to-back. Although there was a connection to them, so you you heard about that. Uh, the season finale of Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> what am I going to talk about next week? There's two shows down. Uh, Stargirl, What If, and Titans. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's something else. Uh, the only one movie featured this week. Actually, you know, there's some other movies that came out. Uh, there's, a, there's Kate that came out on Netflix which I'm probably going to watch maybe tonight after I record this. Uh, we'll see. And, um, yeah, so that's so with, uh, oh, what's her name? From 10 Cloverfield Lane, and she was Huntress in Birds of Prey. And and she's interested in, in returning to role. There's no word about that. She doesn't know if she's involved with the Birds of Prey, with the Black Canary movie, but she'd love to, to go back, which I know I'm dipping into the news, but... Uh, while I got that on my mind. And uh, there's also this movie called Voyeurs that came out on Prime. I don't know if... if I'm not sure if that would be a good movie or if it's kind of like a smut-light movie. <laughs> well, I don't know. So, uh, But the movie feature for this week is uh, James Wan's Malignant. So I I have some things to say. And I'll tell you right now... <laughs> It's you know it's going to be a few, few couple hours away when I get to it. I'm not really sure what I'm going to say about it. I, I I'm yeah I'm kind of on, on the defense of if I liked it or not. And and no I I guess I wouldn't say I didn't like it. I'm on the fence if I really liked it or kind of liked it. I guess I should say. So I'm kind of going back and forth. But as far as the new, so let's get to it because. Um, yeah, let's just not dawdle as, as I usually do. Matrix Resurrections, which is a uh, trailer came out. And it was interesting because I, 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 for some reason, I was just thinking it was Matrix Resurrection, but there's an S on there. So what does that mean? Now, I need to go back and rewatch the, the trilogy uh, because, especially with the second two and the last one, I have vague memories of the the second two because i haven't watched them as many times as the first one and uh like i don't remember what happens at the end i, I think did, did did like did people not survive the second one just to kind of end everything and 
So I, yeah, I don't really remember. I have to go back and uh, because the other thing is, I know I didn't, I didn't love the last one as much as the first one, and I don't remember how I felt about the second one. So I, I'm gonna figure out. Do I have them on DVD? But maybe it's time to to go to 4K. Anyways, so with the trailer, we can see that they're back and. It's like, wait, what's going on? And it, it's a, uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with this. And yeah, yeah, you know, fingers crossed, big time to make, you know, that, that it's, it's going to be awesome. But it should be. I mean, there's some interesting things. You know, it, it was, it's great when, when uh, uh, Neo <laughs> and Trinity, like, she's like, do I know you? Because it's like, what, what is going on? And it, I, I do find it interesting. I forgot if they gave an actual reason why Lawrence Fishburne was in there. There, because uh, I think his Morpheus didn't survive, but if the you know did did Neo survive? So it's like they could. I, I don't know what's going on. So we'll have to see how how this is. But I'm really curious to to see what they're gonna do to expand the story. And I hope there's a story to tell that it's not like, hey, let's just go ahead and do this. We can make money. You know, I I doubt that would be the case. With you know everyone involved, you know there, there's got to be something. So we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. And that comes out on December 22nd, so you can watch it in theaters or HBO Max. Why don't see this on HBO Max? I mean, unless unless you're you don't have a theater near you, if your theater's not open, or if you absolutely don't feel safe, get 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 a vaccine. That's my my thoughts on it. You know, get the the vaccine, a vaccine. But I I don't know. I, I would think like a movie like that. It's like you gotta watch it in the theaters. Although you know, I, I hate to admit it. Now that I think back to it, I don't think I saw the original Matrix in the theater because I'm pretty sure. Well, I know I know that the Matrix is the first DVD I watched when I got a DVD player. I'm now that I'm think I'm thinking that was the first time I saw it when. Was that the first? That must have been. Yeah, I don't think I saw it in the theater because I think I was just like, "Oh, Keanu Reeves is doing another movie. What's this going to be?" You know, especially after like Speed and stuff. I don't know, but I I will do whatever I can to watch it in theater. Well, I won't do whatever I can. I I, I, w- I will plop down my my money <laughs> if if I can to watch it if it's available in my theater. Another trailer came out was the Injustice trailer so from Warner Brother Home Video. So animated Injustice based off the video game. The trailer, I mean, it, it looks like it's going to do it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it looks like it's going to do it justice. I did not intend, uh, no pun intended, that that, that was bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, it's basically Joker. He's like, I'm going to do something to Lois Lane. I'm going to kill her. So it's spoilers all in trailer. Uh, Lois dies with Superman's unborn child, which I never understand this where, you know, there certain stories are like, Hey, Lois and Superman are going to have a baby. But the whole thing is like her human physiology is not capable of handling a half Kryptonian. And even like in the comics, they kind of, cause originally Jonathan was born due to convergence when they were like on another taken from time and Superman was depowered. So it's like there was no risk, but I think they kind of retconned that now for some reason. I don't know. Maybe because it was convergence. Yeah. So it's like, 
now here in Injustice, it, it's just like Lois is pregnant. Good luck, Lois. But it, she just doesn't have to worry about it. So then, with the interesting thing about the story, even though it's a little cliche, but it it's obviously an amazing story. If, you know, based off the comics that have been been crazy good, and you know, for, it's funny that for, for the story, it was originally it's for a fighting game. You know, you have to come up with a reason for the characters, you know, heroes fighting heroes or whatever, and and they came up with a good story. And I, I believe Jimmy Pagliotti was in charge of, you know, he had had a hand in, in the original story. So we'll have to have to see about that. Um, if he, hopefully I hope he gets credit, he better get credit. And everyone involved. I mean, I don't know if uh, Tom Taylor or Brian Bucciolato will get any credit because they obviously tell stories after. You know, this might be just the main you know, um, background story for the video game. So I just wonder if, if this does well, will they do more Injustice movies? And this is another reason why you want to pay to support these movies rather than try to say, hey, I bet I can find it somewhere online and watch for free because that's just, that's not good because we're not going to get more if, if you do that. So let's we'll see. So, um, my only thing is, you know, they, they always take different animation styles and i, I kind of appreciate the, the fact that they do take some liberties and just mix things up rather than just going one one route but i'm not super crazy about the way joker looks but whatever so that that's just that's just my thoughts uh we got more trailers <laughs> hbo max cartoon network there is a trailer for that aquaman king of atlantis animated series i think it's, isn't it like a three episode series i don't know why i'm asking you like you're gonna tell me right now uh, it, they also have a date. It comes out on October 14th. And uh, <laughs> the animation style is kind of interesting. It's talking about like mixing things up. Uh, it's it's a little kind of like on a silly, goofy style. You know, I, I don't know if I would say Steven Universe because I'm I not like I haven't watched Steven Universe, but I, I think it's just a little it's it's kind of weird. And um, and when I first watched trailer, I was just like, really? But I. I think that may work to its its benefit, to its advantage, whatever I guess I'm trying to say, is if they just try to do like a regular, like semi-true to the comics or movies or something like that, it could kind of get lost in a shovel because you know, with Warner Brothers Home Enter- Entertainment, where they do so many great animated adaptations, it would just feel like it's just another one. And I, I don't don't want to like belittle Warner Brothers Home Animate or Home Entertainment. With this having this clearly distinct style, apart from anything that we've seen in DC Universe, I think that could help it kind of kind of stick out a little bit. So <laughs> it's an odd choice, but we'll, we'll have to see what 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 that what goes on with that. There was a, a trailer for Lego Star Wars: Terrifying Tales, and um, I can't say I'm super excited for this. I I, I don't know what it is. I, I know it's going to be funny. The Lego movies are, are, are pretty funny. I would say borderline hilarious. But after the holiday special, there's just some things that... I mean, it, it's absurd. that That's the point of it. But some of them were... It was almost like a little too absurd. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, really? Okay. So with this, it looks like it's more the same. So if you like the holiday special, this seems to be like in the same vein of that. And um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. And... Um, I guess because it's tales of terror, so that that's their way to tell different stories from different timeline or different 
timelines, different uh, time moments in the Star Wars universe. So, okay, that's fine. There was a trailer for Picard season two, and uh, it looks interesting. I guess uh, you know. So Q's back was as we know because Q's like a big jerk. He's messing with time, and he makes it so. <laughs> make make it so. <laughs> I didn't intend that one, man. I'm on an unintentional roll this week. Make it so engage. Uh, he he makes it so that he changes the past and he creates like a totalitarian uh, nightmare, as as Picard puts it, where uh, I I guess they're in charge and you know it's so basically to heal the future they need to repair the past so they're gonna have to time travel and I guess. The way they're gonna time travel is th- with the through the board queen. Uh, okay, uh, maybe I'm just totally forgetting something about Borg and time travel. That how that works because they've time traveled so many times. It's like come on, they they've they've probably time traveled more than Marty McFly has because he's only done it how many times? Three times? Four times? Whatever. I'm not gonna sit and count the like back and forth. It looks interesting, and, and you know we have uh, Seven of Nine as part of it. And there was an interesting part where they they apparently had the board queen in like some stasis pod, and when like Picard opens it, it's just like <gasps> you know when she sees it, and then they they put her online, and so that's uh that's gonna be weird, but we'll we'll see what's gonna happen. So oh, and uh, speaking of Picard, it's also been renewed for season three already. So even though season two hasn't aired yet, uh, it's coming in next year 2022 so they're like yep we're gonna do another one as well um shang chi shang chi jeez don't go back to <laughs> shang chi had made a made about like a 94 million over labor day weekend so a lot lot more than was predicted and a lot of people <laughs> were like this is gonna be the worst opening ever for the marvel cinema it's like nope you were wrong this this did awesome it broke labor day weekend uh records whatever i guess no one usually goes to movies on labor day or maybe movies just aren't released on labor day i've never really paid attention so congrats to everyone involved uh that that's awesome news and i'm I'm so glad that if if there's any racist doubt you know people are like oh it's it's gonna do well it's not gonna do well because it's it's just Asian act, you know, it's like, well, screw you if, if that's your thought. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, there's there's no room for racism on this podcast, and and uh, it was it was an interesting. I I love that they took risk. I mean, the ending, as you know, if you listen last week, I had a couple issues, had some issues with one character, but it's a Marvel movie, and there's a uh, funny haha moments at times, and some stretching, whatever. Um, and whatever with the dragon stuff. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so congrats to that. And I think it's at like a hundred, 146 million worldwide or something like that. So you, you have to wonder, it's like, would it have been more if we weren't in a friggin' pandemic still? So hopefully, I mean, things are, are getting better, but there's still, there's still a lot of people dying. So you, you have to be careful. You, if you're, yeah, keep wearing your mask uh, and, and get, yeah, all that stuff. All right, um, because of the success of that, Eternals is also getting the, ex- the exclusive 45-day theater-only window 
like Shang-Chi. So sorry if you are not going to theaters, you will not be able to watch Eternals for 45 days after it opens. Because, you know, you ha- I, I have to wonder, you know, how much how much does it really make off of the Disney Plus? And my my biggest concern with the Disney Plus thing, the, the biggest thing that, that ticks me off is that, you know, it probably makes it so much easier to pirate the movies. And, you know, that's why, like, Black Widow was, a, you know, number one pirated movie at the time because it, they probably made it so easy, you know, so much easier. I mean, I don't know. Pe- people manage to bootleg stuff all the time somehow. I don't know. So, you know, I, I do, like, how would have Black, how would have, how would have Black Widow have done? That just sounds, doesn't sound right. I wonder how Black Widow would have done, <laughs> maybe that's it, if it was, you know, exclusive. And, you know, I, I get why some people, you know, I, I'm not trying to doubt or belittle or anything. You know, if if you don't feel safe, that's fine. You know, I, I feel safe in my theater. I You know, I, I've explained that. And, uh, you know, I'm vaccinated. I don't have any young children in my household that are, are unvaccinated. I don't have any elderly people with, you know, or any one with Im- compromised immune systems or anything like that. So I'm I'm taking a small risk, but you know I, I don't like sit on someone else's lap or whatever, and and you know so there's there's things you can kind of do. Uh, I realistically, am I going to keep going to movies if things don't get? I mean, if things start getting worse, you know that that's going to be a problem for me. But uh, where am I going with this? Um, I don't know what I'm, what I'm saying. But anyways, anyways I, I I get that. You know, it's paying thirty bucks. If you have a big family and everything like that, it's it's totally a deal. But you know, we, we need the movies to make money too, because how much of that thirty bucks is really going towards a movie versus other costs or whatever? I I don't know. That, that's I wonder. Um, Andrew Garfield has uh, addressed the Spider Man stuff. You know, he's he's saying that you know he's not in it, and you know he said that before, but people aren't aren't believing him. And you know he he's he said that he under I understand why people are freaking out about the concept of that because I'm a fan as well, and but what he said is um, it's important for me to say on the record that this is not something I'm aware I'm involved in. <laughs> That's, it just sounds weird. It's like he he's involved with it, but he's just not aware of it. <laughs> they're they're filming him. Like in his regular, you know, day to day life, here's Peter Parker going to the Starbucks, <laughs> and he's just hanging out and whatever. And it's like, we got the footage, <laughs> cut. <laughs> and he's like, what cut? What are you talking about? <laughs> Isn't that a butcher shop? Uh, that's bad. So uh, yeah, he and but he's he also says, but I know I'm not going to be able to say anything that will convince anyone that I don't know what's happening. No matter what I say, I'm effed. It's either going to be really disappointing for people or it's going to be really exciting. I don't know what that means. Is it because there's some people who don't want him to be in there? I don't know. But yeah, he you know he he says he's not in it. At this point, could they could they possibly like be waiting to film something? So if if they're wait because doesn't the movie come out in December? And maybe I don't think they would wait that like last minute to film. Something. I mean, maybe they would do that to avoid anything leaking. It's like okay, we don't even have this footage record. We got a placeholder for this, and you know it would be bad. But they could probably do it. Like, could they like 
green screen him in and have like Tom Holland talking to like a stand in. And then they just insert digitally insert Andrew Garfield if they want, or maybe they would do a scene and he's just like in the background and like, it's just in it for like two minutes. So it's possible that, but who knows? Anyways, I'm not going to dwell on it, but he says he's not a Disney's haunted mansion. There's a, 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 Owen Wilson's going to be in it. He's been announced. Because I think Tiffany Haddish and someone else are headlining. So Owen Wilson's going to be in it. Rosario Dawson. and uh, But I, I wonder with, the, with those two, with uh, Dawson and Wilson, it's like, are they just going to be like ghosts? You know, like have a little little supporting role, whatever. I'll watch the movie. I don't know wh- where they're going with it, but we'll see. Uh, video game news. Uh, Sony had a... I didn't watch any of the Sony stuff. I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. I'm just like, and you know, I, I've kind of come to the decision with the PlayStation Five, and I, it, it kind of bothers me because you know I've had PlayStation One, Two, Three, and Four, and like the One, Two, and Three, I got those like, I think they got the third one. I got them the day they came out, the launch. You know, what it launched in, in September, whatever. I bought it. At least I know the first two. No, actually, I take that back. Not the first one. The second one I did, I think the third one, but not the fourth. And obviously not the fifth. Anyways, I feel like PlayStation 5 is, is killing my uh, my gaming career. And I, I, I think I feel like this is like the final nail in a coffin. Because I keep saying, and I maybe it's hard for anyone to understand, I don't have time to play video games. I don't have the time or the energy. Because I feel like with, with a lot of games... You know, you can't just play it for like 10 minutes here. I mean, yes, you can. But with the the longer games that I'm into, and especially when it comes to save, you know, some games you can save, you can play for two minutes and then save it and lose your spot. Something like the Resident Evil games, you can't do that because you're limited as to how many times you can save or whatever. You have to find certain whatever. So I, I don't really have the time for that. And it's mainly because I have my day job. I have to teach, which is exhausting in itself. You know, it takes a lot of energy and prep and all that stuff. And I have my commute, you know, but to and from my classroom. It's you know, it's not like it's just next door. It's it's a little little bit of a drive. And then uh, then I have to read all the comics from the week. I have to watch all the TV shows, and then you know, go to a movie and watch all that. And then and then have a regular life, you know, as as well. So I don't really have the the time to play. You know, I still haven't finished the first Spider Man game. And, you know, I, I really like that. I've been playing Resident Evil 7 for a year and a half, but I haven't played it in months. You know, I, I played it, like, after, like, almost a year, you know, earlier this summer. But I just, I don't have the time to devote, unfortunately. And then as much as I would like, you know, I want to play the Miles Morales Spider-Man and, you know, other stuff. But I'm kind of, I'm almost at the point where because I can't, find i can't get my hands on one i can't get my hands on a new one and the, the fact that it's gonna be like 500 bucks that maybe maybe i call it quits maybe i i say okay this is it i'm I'm done playing video games i'm not gonna do it maybe down the road i'll you know the price will drop and maybe i'll pick one up in, in a year or so but it's just it's annoying and i i get that they can't help it but the fact that you know part of it is, is there's a scalpers you know picking them up and then trying to sell them for more and yeah, they're trying to make a living or whatever, but it, it it sucks. And so maybe the scalpers are the ones that are are you ruining it for me. But also, it's like five hundred bucks for a gaming system. That's a lot. And for me, 
since I I don't have the time to do it. So I don't know this this maybe I just get to the point where it's like okay you know I'm this many years old and I know that doesn't have anything to do with it, but just with everything else going on, <laughs> you know, recording a three hour podcast every week and all that stuff, maybe I just don't do it. So anyways. If you are playing video games and you're if you're still listening after that little ramble, uh, there's going to be a Wolverine game from Insomniac, and it looks cool. I mean, they obviously don't show anything. You see, you know, someone comes into bar, they're getting ready. There's some dude sitting at the bar drinking, which is obviously Logan, and someone's coming up behind him, and then all of a sudden, shink, sticked. Out come the claws. There's also uh, they're remaking Knights of the Old Republic. Which and I will be totally honest. I think I've said this before. I know virtually nothing about Knights of the Old Republic. I think I read there was a comic series that came out, and I was reading about some Jedi dude and his Padawan, and I don't remember who they were. If they were like anyone of anyone's of, of, of importance, so they're doing a remake of that, which uh, I know some people are super excited, and they're doing a Spider-Man two game. So those three right there alone, you know, those are exclusive. That sounds cool. That's good reason. But I, I don't know. So I don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, the other thing that it is going to happen, but not for as, as soon as we want. The Furiosa prequel, sorry, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy as Furiosa, it has been delete, delayed. Delayed? It's been delayed. It's been delayed. So it was originally supposed to come out June 23rd, 2023, which is 2023. Okay, we're still in 2021. It is now coming out on May 24th, 2024. So I was like, holy crap. <laughs> and I, 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 the one article I read, it, it didn't say why. So I don't know if it's just, it could be because of pandemic stuff and, and all that, but maybe it's location and traveling and, you know, trying to get there and, you know, to find a, a suitable desert apocalyptic wasteland area and everything i think they said it was supposed to create like 880 jobs or something like that so that's good but it's gonna be put off uh, a bit so that that's unfortunate but good things come to those who wait you know don't rush it and, and put out something crap um yeah I, I i'm just curious what what the reasons were but then uh in the days of everything getting pushed back there's new, uh, another, another release date for Venom, Let There Be Carnage. So I think this is like the sixth date change. The good news is it's not being pushed back. It's actually being pushed forward. It's uh, opening two weeks earlier than I think the last time. So I don't think I mentioned this last week, uh, but it's coming out on October 1st now, apparently. Is it? Is it really? I, I don't even know if it is. Apparently that that's uh that's the same date as uh the Sopranos movie. Um as what was that? Uh The Many Saints of Newark. That was supposed to come out on October first. I don't know if that's a quote unquote podcast movie. You know, I, I'm definitely curious to see that. Yeah, I don't know. And for that movie, it's if they both come out the same day, I, I would probably see Venom in theaters and then maybe watch the many saints in New York at home and probably talk about that a little bit the next week. I don't know, but we have, we have that. And, um, I feel like there's something else, but I guess that's it. So that, that look at how long I've rambled. I hear, I thought it's like, I'm going to make news really fast. I'm quick. 
And I've rambled even longer than normal. So that's going to be the news for the week. With comic books at Image Comics, we had Deadly Class 48. And oh my goodness, this was a... this. Okay, so first of all, if you're not reading Deadly Class, this it would, I could explain this in full detail and it's not going to mean anything to you. But this this comic was was crazy. So with this uh, latest story arc, save your your generation, they've uh, they did like a jump forward, and it's nuts because the comic was taking place in the eighties. Seeing these characters, so that the comic, in case you know nothing about it or you haven't read any of it, you haven't watched the show, which you should watch the show. I think it's on Netflix. It's it's definitely on Peacock. Uh, it, it's basically this kid, Marcus, living on the streets. He kind of gets recruited or gets involved in this, this school for assassins. And um, then things go from there. And I, yeah, I don't want to give any specifics of that. Then seeing, you know, the it's it's not the most... It's, it's not like, oh, he's a, just like a good story. You know, there, there's a lot of bad things that happen. And with the jump forward, just seeing like where... Marcus ended up and like, you know, some of the other characters in that. And then on top of that, like what happens here, it goes back a little bit and we see like the last day at the school and it's just some like hardcore, just, <laughs> it's, there's so a lot of bad things that, that go on. And it's, just, it, it, in some ways it was kind of hard to see, even though you kind of knew where, like, you know, certain things were, were, were going to happen. But it's just, it's like, oh man. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's nuts. And um, I'm assuming <laughs> this is not the final issue. I don't want this to ever end, but uh, it was just, it was kind of heavy in a way. And it's just like, like, wow. And I, so I, I love this series. You should definitely, if, if you if I, you haven't read it, go to the beginning, read it. It's it's amazing. I, I just, I love it so much. And you know, I've always said, it's like my favorite series. And I, I think I might have to, stick with that there's just something about it and i and part of it is you know west craig's art and then the, the colors with it it's just i don't know what it is and you know you know you know what i like you know and what i don't like but there's just something about that that just always like pushes it to the, to the top uh the me you love in a dark issue two so this is uh by scotty young and um the art is by jorge corona so with the first uh, issue, we have this artist, Ro. She kind of needs she needs to find some new inspiration or whatever. So she rents out this old house. It's like, is this house haunted type of thing? You know, it's this old, dark, creepy house. And it is kind of haunted. And uh, so she starts hearing, you know, a voice and stuff like that. So it's like, where is this going? It doesn't quite go in the direction that you, you thought it was going to go. And um, I'm really not sure what this story, like where, I don't know where the story is going. And that's, that's the cool thing. You know, that, that's what makes it more interesting is just totally like, okay, what, what are you bringing on next? So it's, it's definitely interesting. And the, and the art, you know, it definitely creates a vibe and everything. It's, it's, it's pretty fitting, you know, the art and color. So I, I would recommend this as well. You should be checking this out. It's a five issue series. So, you know, you might be saying, well, I'll wait till the trade, but, you know, it, it helps you get the, the individual issues too. You know, it's, it's kind of neat that to have those. Then there was uh, the Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, <laughs> issue four. 
<laughs> this is another comic. Man, I I tell I'm telling you, you got to be reading this 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 series. It there's just something so I don't even know how to describe it. There's something so refreshing about this, and it's it's just funny. Uh, you know, so the the art style it's a it's not like your traditional comic book art. If if what what does that even mean? You know, it, it's. I think it's a little, little on the cartoony side in some aspects, but not like completely. I mean, that may be like a horrible description, but there's you know th- that that style gives it a, you know its its own vibe as well. And the story here is there is this actor, you know, martial arts actor dude, who was the like such a big a hole, and you know he just put everyone down and just just rude, and he was probably racist and just just a complete jerk and he dies so some of his sidekicks you know and by sidekicks is you know people that he worked with you know in lesser roles or whatever so they, they they're kind of on the they, they they believe he was killed because everyone hated him and there's like some secret that's being kind of kept from them and they're, they're getting into these like weird situations and fights and stuff like that so it's it's definitely you should be reading it. It's 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 a delightful book, even though it's not it's not like a sunshine and roses book, but I, I just I really dig this book. Trover Saves the Universe 2. I was I don't remember if I talked about the first issue or not. I wasn't super crazy about it. And um I don't it just might not be for me. So I do have the second issue, but uh I don't know. I mean it's you know it's based off a game and it's it's a uh, from the Rick and Morty co-creator, but I don't know. And, and again, maybe if, if, if I pl- ever played the game or was more, you know, I might be more, more interested, but I really don't know anything about it. So I didn't, didn't check that out. Um, then at, I didn't get anything. I was going to look at, uh, did I pick it up? Star Trek mirror war number zero. I don't know if, if this would be anything. It's a John Luke Picard and has to deal with the the mirror mirror universe. Yeah, I didn't check that out. I can't. I thought I. I yeah, I have to see if I, I I have that or not. And then at Boom, was there anything that I read at Boom? Oh, Eve Five came out. So the the final issue. This was a weird weird series, and uh, it definitely took like a kind of like a big turn. You know, that was unexpected, and you know basically. In this this series, the world has been ravaged, or you know, it's a catastrophe, whatever you want to want to call it. And Eve was like in this pod, and then when she came out, you know, she was living like in a virtual world, and she woke up, and then she was trying to get out. It's like our her parents are alive, whatever. She doesn't know, and is anyone still alive? And there is this uh, robot to kind of guide her, but it was in a form of a teddy bear that she had when she was a kid but this was like like it's killer robot you know that and uh so she makes her way across you know she was like off the coast or whatever and this pod thing she gets to i think it was new york city and then you know there's things there and yeah then just like there was this weird development that that came up and so this uh this issue kind of wraps up the storyline and and everything and yeah, like I said, it, it wasn't quite what I expected, but it was definitely, it was, it was an interesting read. So I was from uh, Boom Studios, if you want to check that out. At DC Comics, we had Batman 112. So 
uh, one, it feels like I read this like so long ago. It feels like it's been more than a week ago. But uh, with the Fear State stuff happening, a lot of a lot of bad stuff in Gotham City. Batman's in in a, a bad state because you know he's been hit with this like major you know scarecrow toxin, and you know he he doesn't even know what he can believe or trust. So you know he's trying to get a hold of the others. Oracle, I think this is in the last issue where Barbara tried using Oracle to communicate with everyone to reassure people, but then there was this like anti Oracle thing, whatever that that took over. And it's saying like Batman's dead, your lives are in danger. You know they're coming to get you, and you know just trying to really raise things up and everything like that. And you know this is all because of Simon Saint, you know trying to push his peacekeeper program thing. <laughs> this guy needs to go away. Um, then there's also uh, the backup story with Clown Hunter, which you know that that was kind of interesting. And you know he's doing his thing, and you know Leslie Tompkins wants to try help him in Red Hood, and you know but. Is he going to take any any help from anyone? So there's some some interesting stuff there. Then uh, Batman Catwoman issue seven. I'm just I'm just not really I don't know I I'm I'm not really digging this and and part of it for me maybe it's the the jumping around like the the different timelines seeing you know about you know Joker getting killed and when this happened or that happened and I I don't know I'm just you. Know, that the fact that you know we have Phantasm here, I feel like that should be a big deal, but it's like she's hardly even in it. You know, she the the role that she's playing is an important one for the story. It's it's kind of like a driving force for like certain thing, but uh, I don't know. It's just it's just not really quite doing it for me. Okay, then there was Infinite Frontier issue six. So I think this was like the I don't know if this is the last issue. One story ends and the next phase, uh, DC Multiverse begins. So it kind of like wraps up certain things. And with, as I keep saying, you know, we're, we're seeing all this stuff with the multiverse, but we're not really feeling it so much in the other books, which that's that's a minor stupid thing that, that bothers me. But we're, we're seeing all this stuff. And what it comes down to is, you know, dark sides involved. And, you know, this is going to have some that should have some re big repercussions as to what his current standing is now and you know where he's going to go with this and what what's going to happen there's a you know developments for Roy Harper cuz you know he had the black lantern ring is he still going to have it is he still going to be alive and then the JSA they're back now and you know what's going on with Barry Allen you know so there's a there's definitely a lot here but it's just it, to me, it's just it's weird how it's presented because it almost feels like it's it's like on its own little bubble, and it's it's not. I, I feel like it should be a bigger deal, but it no one is treating it as a bigger deal. So that's uh, that's a weird thing for me. Okay, then there is a Suicide Squad, and so the the annoying thing for me. So Suicide, if I can talk, Suicide Squad Seven came out. And Suicide Squad 2021 Annual came out. So when I was reading this, when I read both of these, uh, the issue seven was first, like in on the the, the app. So I, I read that first, and you know, ambush bugs on the cover. It's like, oh, okay, I'm not an ambush bug fan, and I, I just feel like you know, there's too much breaking the fourth wall and all that. It's like, really? It's like that sounds a little familiar, and I may, I don't know who, I don't care who did it first or whatever, but. Like on the first page, just kind of like a recap, and then there's like a huge spoiler 
about Superboy. And I'm just like, what? What? And then I was like, wait. So then I go and read the annual. And the annual is what deals with this big revelation about Superboy. So that was annoying. Because then when I read the issue, it it took that surprise out of the story for me. Because it's like I, I knew it was coming. And so that, that was just, yeah. That really bothered. That really annoyed me. Uh, because I would have enjoyed it a lot more than I did. So of the two, I like the annual a lot more than issue seven. Because in issue seven, Amanda Waller, Amanda Waller's going off the rails. She's like really pushing things because you know she's been she's trying to recruit more people for Task Force X, but by recruiting, you know, she's no longer just taking criminals and putting a bomb in their head and then making them do stuff. Now she's sending a team out to throughout the multiverse to you know she's like oh earth three this this whole universe is horrible you know our, all the heroes are villains and stuff like that so she's like trying to kidnap you know they, they they kidnapped uh black siren which is black canary of that world i that i just feel like that's crossing a line because you know she's taking someone and, and maybe she's evil there or whatever but it's still what gives her the right so they're they're like in this um sort of like a virtual like VR state as they're getting prepped for something and and then they they they're about to go into mission or whatever. So you have that. But then uh, Suicide Squad or the the annual, we find out um, what the deal is with with Superboy, and I don't I really don't want to spoil it, even though it was like spoiled for me because it bothered me. I really feel like if you're invested in, if you care about about Connor, about Superboy, about Suicide Squad, him being in there, you should read the annual. You know, do yourself a favor because if I just tell you or if you look it up, it's gonna take away that like whoa. So one of the things I've been saying since this Suicide Squad, I was like, why is Superboy? on a suicide squad and I was like why is no one noticing you know he just came back in Young Justice and no one knows that he's been taken by Amanda Waller and that he's been forced to go on these missions for her you know because like you would think Tim would notice you know because they're supposed to be like best friends Tim okay he's dealing with a lot right now uh you would think Bart would know because what the heck is Bart doing now he doesn't have his own series and Young Justice isn't happening and you know he's always you know all about you know zipping around and so it's just it's been so weird it's like it feels like hey this is like a neat story twist we're gonna have Superboy here but there's gonna be like zero repercussions you know Superman you know where he's not overly involved with Connor's you know whatever life but we get some answers here and. I, I I applaud their, it. It makes sense. So that's why I, I feel like if you're if you care, you should check that out. Okay, then there is a Green Lantern issue six, and this is dealing with uh, Joe Moline. Is that how you say her last name? You know, just the the Green Lantern cores are messed up. So base bottom line, the battery was destroyed. So there's like no Green Lanterns. Joe, who was in Far Sector, her ring is still working. Hal has a working ring as well, uh, but like no one else does. So, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out what's going on. And then uh, Teen Lantern, you know, she has this other power thing, which is supposedly not Owen technology. 
but she went and attacked Sinestro, uh, Sinestro's planet, because she assumed that you know he was involved with it. So Joe has a, she has like an interesting conversation with Sinestro. She's basically like, "Hey, this was a kid. You know, this isn't the you know Green Lanterns declaring war. You know, she's not speaking for them or whatever type of thing. And there are no Green Lanterns, and and you know he's being all like." calm and cool you know but like menacing and you know whatever so it's interesting because you know like what's the deal with joe and i don't really know much about her because i i read the first issue of far sector and it just something about it didn't work for me but i'm 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 digging her character here i'm really curious to see like you know what's what's the deal with her and and now that she's stepping up because you know there's no one else around, so I, I find that really interesting. Then there's Green Lantern 2021 Annual. We got a glimpse of this. What issue? There's something where we see Jessica Cruz as a yellow lantern. So it's like, what the heck is that about? And you you can see her on the cover here, and uh, she's uh, telling Hal Jordan, like, basically, like, how, go, how it's going to be. Uh, with this... Basically, she she defeats a couple yellow lanterns, and you know, so she has her ring, but it doesn't work. And she's just kind of she dumps off the the two bound lanterns, and I think she's going to return the rings, or was she going to keep the rings or whatever? But then Sinestro's like, like, oh, you know, so she's like using one of the rings because how else is she going to get there? And he's like, you should keep that because it suits you. And she's like, no, I don't want this. And but then the only way she can get back to Earth is using the Yellow Lantern. So he's trying to push the idea of fear. And, you know, fear is always was a big thing for her, you know, just when she was like, you know, a shut in or whatever. So it's it's interesting, you know, where where is this going to go? And is she going to keep the ring or not or whatever? And if she does keep it, will she not turn evil like pretty much all the other Yellow Lanterns? So some interesting stuff there, because uh, I, I like Jessica Cruz and and I, I feel like you know we haven't seen much of her, so this could be interesting. But then if where will we see her after this? You know, since unless they're going to give her her own series. Then we have Nice House on the Lake issue four. So this is the James Tynan the fourth book, and basically a group of friends were invited to this nice house on the lake in like Wisconsin uh, by their kind of weird mysterious friends and. The, the group of friends, they don't, they're not all fr- necessarily, fr- they're like kind of friends of friends. You know, they, they kind of know who each other are. You know, some of them know each other more than others. But, you know, some of them don't know each other at all. And they're at this place. They find out the world has ended. The world's in flames. People are dying and just all this craziness. But they're like trapped. They can't leave the borders of the house, you know, like a certain perimeter around it. And... Yeah, so they're they're panicking, they're frustrated, you know, they're angry, you know, because they're they're loved ones. And there's this, I think there's like this statue. That if you touch it, you can see like what happens to your your loved ones, and you know, so they just want to get out of there, and they're trying to figure out like what's going on. And then it turns out that there's a way that they, you know, what's going to happen if their supplies run out, but things are being replenished, and you know, there's like some weird, mysterious way that they keep getting deliveries. So there's um, definitely some things, uh, you know, more developments here, and um, this is this is a really intriguing story, which I, I'm I'm really digging this. Then we have Crush and Lobo issue four. So, jeez, I like Crush. Um, I 
I'm so done with Lobo. I can't stand Lobo. So Lobo's in some prison, and he seems like he's turning over New Leaf. You know, is he being reformed or whatever? He wants Crush to visit him, which is just absurd. And it was just so he could trick her. He somehow made it where he was able to switch spots. So he was able to walk out of the prison. They all think that she is him, even though they clearly, they're not the same. (laughs) They don't look the same. So she's locked up in a prison while he's like out doing whatever. And, you know, she's trying to figure things out. And, um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm interested in the story, but I just don't like Lobo. So we'll see. Uh, Conjuring issue four, um, was this called uh, the lover? So I'm, I'm interested. We're at the fourth issue now, but I'm, I'm getting to the point where it's like, okay, what's, where's this going? What's happening? And, in some ways it's kind of hard to read because it's an unpleasant story. You know, we have this, this college girl and, you know, she's dealing, you know, she's seeing things with her and she's obviously somehow possessed her. You know, there's this not, she's not possessed necessarily. There's like this dark spirit that's like tormenting her. And as she's trying to, you know, figure things out and, and so, yeah, it's, it's not really a beat or anything. So that's like, that makes it hard. And, you know, things keep getting like, like worse and worse. And uh, then the the, the second um, the backup story, I just I start, I just couldn't read it for for I just wasn't in the mood I guess you know I didn't even give it a chance to be honest so um, yeah Disney or D- Disney <laughs> I don't know you know where that came from uh, Justice League Infinity oh maybe the, maybe I subconsciously was thinking Disney Infinity oh. Okay, Justice League Infinity issue three. So this is like based off the Justice League Unlimited series. So that that style, something's happening and uh, people are are switching. Like Superman and kind of like Red Sun Superman switch places. So you know they're trying to figure out, and a bunch of people, civilians, have like disappeared. So no one knows what's going on, and so it's interesting because this is like taking place after Justice League Unlimited. So it's like some people haven't been around the others in a while they've kind of gone their separate ways and now they're kind of back trying to figure out what's going on and um so there's there's some it's it's interesting just to see what's going on and then uh, in this issue we have president superman so it's like what's going to happen there so you know it's it's kind of like basically like animated version of of president superman so that that's interesting blue and gold issue two so we have booster gold and blue beetle uh doing more of the same you know trying to be heroes uh trying to you know boosters trying to get attention uh because you know he's all about they they need the money you know they he wants a he wants them to be able to stream stuff or whatever and you know he has this idea that they could be heroes if they can get backed financially by cord industries then they wouldn't have to worry about paying bills and stuff like that then they can you know just basically go out and be heroes because you know his his thing is you know we're not all you know like billionaires like you know bruce wayne or whatever and um things don't obviously don't don't go quite as planned and uh ted's standing with the company it, it may not be as firm as he thought so there's there's definitely some things there and uh, of course you know booster is just Sticking his foot in his mouth, you know, whenever, whenever he can. So it's just things just keep happening. 
Then we have Suicide Squad Get Joker Issue 2. This is a black label book. Uh, we have Jason Todd with a Suicide Squad squad. And they're, you know, they're trying to get the Joker. But last issue, Amanda Waller was taken. I don't know if she was killed, but it looked like the Joker, you know, got there and has control of the black box, has control of the bombs on, on the the squad. So there's some interesting things there. Um, and we see, it's like when they, they come, they meet up with him or they, they find him, they track him down. And uh, then it's like, well, what's going to happen between him and Harley? That that was kind of like an interesting, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of like, ugh. so you have to see that. Then we have Black Manta issue one. This was okay. Um, I'm not the biggest Black Manta fan. And I, I think part of it because I feel like he's just, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's just, you know, I, I just, I don't understand his motives. You know, he's he's a bad guy, but he's not like completely bad, but he's like a sea pirate. And, you know, yeah. So um, there's some weird stuff going on here. Uh, I, I'll probably check out the, the next issue, but yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm just. I'm not super crazy about the character. So it's. It's. Yeah. It was just okay for me. At Marvel, uh, Marvel released a, a 9/11 20th anniversary tribute um, comic, and I think this is also included in like all the the regular series because um, I, I know I've seen it a bunch of times. So it's written by Joe Casada and the arts by John Romita Jr. So it's it's a uh, I think it's only like eight pages and it's you know it's it's a nice tribute. It's I just hate the fact that we have to have a tribute and by that the fact that we have to have one, the fact that there's a reason to to be a tribute. I mean, I don't want to get heavy and obviously it's not some stuff I talk about, but yeah, that was a that was a horrible day. And I'll never forget that that morning. It was just things changed. And the weird thing is, you know, there's a lot of people today, you know, since it's been 20 years, so many people have no idea what it was like before or what it was like then. And, you know, they've they've grown up in this world like post 9-11. And, you know, it's definitely it's a different place. It's always weird when you watch like old like if you watch episodes like Friends or Seinfeld and, you know, it's especially like when they're at the airport. When, you know, people could run up to the gate and, you know, try to meet someone or try to stop someone from getting on. The, it's like, you can't do that anymore. So there's that. Um, but continuing with comic talk, Amazing Spider-Man 73. I'm not super crazy about this Kindred. This is story, Sinister War and all this stuff. You know, Sinister War, I guess, is over. Kindred is still um, going on about some stuff. And... Uh, there's still the big confusion. It's like, what is the deal with Kindred? Who the heck? Because, you know, we were told Kindred is is Harry Osborn. What the heck is his motives? Why is he trying to do this stuff? Why does he hate Peter Parker so much? Why is he torturing him doing all this? And if he's Harry Osborn, I think I said Harry, right? Uh, if he's Harry Osborn, how is Harry Osborn with Carly Cooper? How is there a dead Harry Osborn in the morgue? And... Spoiler, what I think it comes down. So what I think, and I don't think it's it's necessary totally clear, but I think 
so Harry is probably kindred. The other Harry with Carly is probably a clone with you know Norman's all his clone stuff. And the other one in the in the, in the morgue, that's probably just a, another clone as well. So I don't know what, what his motives are. There is a, a bit of of, of of there's pretty big revel, revelation and stuff because Kindred is also kind of torturing Norman, and we find out or we find out stuff that like the deals that Norman made like with Mephisto to which is like a cause of like certain things happening. So that's probably why Harry is Kindred and you know stuff like that because there's a price to pay or whatever, and. There's they, they they bring up the encounter between Norman and Gwen, the the it was totally I've I've always felt like this is just so out of character that they would have some sort of hookup, you know. Gwen went to Europe, you know, she had to get away from Peter and Spider Man in New York and everything, and then somehow they hook up, and it's just like one, it's just like. Ill with a capital E and a capital W W W W W, or should there be a bunch of E's, E E E E E W? <laughs> but it's just it's like that. I always felt like that doesn't seem like Gwen, and if if I recall, I'm trying to black out, especially Norman's face in that one panel, which I can't black that out. Is no matter how hard I try, uh, but. I, I don't think he necessarily like forced himself on her. I think she kind of, she kind of, and you know, maybe because he was this rich dude. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you if Norman Osborn is like a handsome dude or not. I just see the hair and, and nor, and this, this attitude. And just knowing that he's green goblin, knowing that he killed Gwen Stacy, you know, threw her off the bridge. And the fact that they had this hookup apparently. And then, Gwen had kids and all that stuff. It's just so not right. So this issue deals with that. And um, whether you love that idea, if you're okay with the idea, you hate the idea, you definitely should be reading this issue because that's all I'm going to say about it. Um, yeah, I don't want to think back about it. Avengers Tech On, issue two. So Red Skull... They are the, the Avengers destroyed Infinity Gauntlet. There's like infinity dust from the, the broken shards or something like that. Red Skull got a bunch. He manipulated reality, took away all the heroes' powers. Tony Stark was able to make a bunch of iron suits that can basically mimic the powers of each one that that as necessary. Rather than give everyone the same, like let's amp up everyone. It's like, no, okay, Carol, I'm going to give you, but you can fly, you can blast things, whatever. Wolverine, this is going to help you deal with the adamantium in your, your blood system so you don't die and you'll be able to pop some claws. And <laughs> so, uh, but I'm, I'm intrigued with the storyline. I feel like this is something made. What actually, it, w- it would kind of be like a cool video game. Or, or it'd be like an okay video game. You, know, if, if you wanted to have like Marvel characters with like these tech suits or whatever, and you know you could, you know, build up their whatever, and you know, I don't know. Um, so it's I'm I'm kind of curious, or I'm sticking with this series. 
it's so wrong on, on different levels, but I'm, I'm intrigued with where this is going to go. Champions issue nine. Um, I'm starting to wonder now, man, is this comic for me? I, I feel like, I, I wonder, do younger readers like this? Part of my problem is the art. It's, it's weird because I feel like the characters don't look like the characters. I feel like some of the characters look too young. They're like they're young, but like in in teenage bodies or teenage proportions or whatever. Because like Sam and and he just looks weird, and like Miles, I feel like Kamala doesn't look like Kamala. You know, I I feel like like she's um I I I gotta be careful. I feel like I'm not gonna say it because it, it's just not right. But it just doesn't look like her. And uh, I mean, there there's some some characteristics from her features but i just feel like some of them have been like polished away and it just it just doesn't look right but apart from all that so this is still dealing with um like the aftermath of the cradle where young heroes are outlawed and stuff like that roxanne you know they're they're bit with this so they're trying to infiltrate roxanne as like interns and stuff like that because they want to unleash this like social network thing, so they're trying to deal with all that. And this is a like, pretty much a conclusion of, of that storyline. So okay, fine. And then we have Daredevil thirty four. So Daredevil is kind of taken over to prisons. Like, what is going on with Daredevil? He's uh, he's gotten a bit of extreme, and you know he found out that there was like some experiments and stuff going on, and everything like that. Um, and on top of it, or along with this, we also have bullseye um killing people i th- forget if he killed like 56 or 86 he killed a bunch of people already so electra as the current daredevil is trying to find him and get get to him whether she can or not and then at the end uh spoiler then matt finds out that bullseye is out there so he's like oh so what's he gonna do um then we had um, there was a deadpool black white and red i didn't even I don't even know who worked on this this issue because you know normally there's there's some some good creators that are tempting that make it make me you know get the issue and and read. I didn't even figure that or even look because I just I like Deadpool, but with you know how I feel about these black and white and insert your color with these. I feel like we get some some decent stories, but I don't feel like there's any like long term repercussions that are going to come out of it so for me it's just a matter of like i i don't have the time to read this one other comic if i don't need to you know maybe i'll read it later i'm i am curious to see who who was involved with it but you know while the stories have been okay i feel like it hasn't really added anything long term for me to devote that time but if you like deadpool then you're probably gonna want to check that out Defenders issue two. So uh, they kind of, the Defenders, um, Doctor Strange, he's with a, a Silver Surfer, Betty Banner, Harpy, and Cloud, um, the, the Mask Raider, which I, the Mask Raider is somebody. We don't know who it is. It's like someone, he's got this infinity mask, but he's like someone, he knows a bunch of people, or I, I don't really know what the deal is. And then, uh, who did I, I miss? Um, there's someone else. I, f- I f- think I, I missed someone. 
So they're dealing with a current crisis, and uh, they like went back in time and somehow, and and they're fighting alongside Galactus's mom. <laughs> and it's kind of weird because I think she's like, "Hey, hey, Doctor Strange," or something. And so it's like, "That's Galactus's mom. <laughs> Can't mess with her." With her, Excalibur twenty three. So Doctor Doom is being a big arrogant jerk. He wants to go to with the other world and he there's he says there's something that he wants i don't know if it was his i don't remember there's something in, in uh more morgana's castle so he wants to go there and but they're like hey you can't just make demands or whatever you know the the, the gates are only for mutants but then he's like well i he's like i have a mutant right here so he has like some baby mutant latvarian and they're like, where'd you get that that baby kid? If that kid's a mutant, then you know we're gonna take him and you know make sure he's protected. <laughs> so he's he just he has a mutant baby like in his pocket or something. <laughs> but uh, Captain Brit Betsy, Captain Britain, she agrees to go with. So so many others go, and and then it turns out the castle's not there. And he's like, well, where's the castle at? And he's just being like such a jerk and demanding and and all that stuff like that. But. It was cool because uh, Megan was here, and then you know Gambit and Jubilee, and so I, I like that issue. But Doom is just such a big jerk. Um, Extreme Carnage Toxin, you know I didn't read that. Kazar is it Kazar or Kazar? This is the other one. I'm not gonna know until there's a movie, which <laughs> hopefully won't be. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's Kazar. I always say, I always say Kazar. But maybe it should be Kazar. That just seems weird. Kazar, Lord of the of the of the Savage Land, and uh, I didn't like this issue. <laughs> One, I'm okay with the character because, like, I remember was it the '90s when his series came out, and who, I don't think it was Mike Diodato that did the art. I forget who did it. But I, I'm just, I'm not a big fan. I don't really care, and. So Kazar or Kazar and Shauna, the She Devil, they've gone through some changes after Empire, and there's all that stuff with like the plant stuff. So I don't know what's going on. Their kid is his name Kevin or is he no? What's their kid's name? I don't even care. He's now all of a sudden he's like a, a teenager, and uh, oh yes, the, the Kotadi. Yeah. So Kazar was murdered by the Kotadi. The Savage Land brought him back. And yeah, so Shauna is a mystical merging of life energies. Uh, Kazar has new abilities and new enemies. And um, oh, Matthew is is their son. He's just like he's now he's a teenager. He's like a jerky teenager, and he's like this sucks. <laughs> this <laughs> so why can't I eat meat like like uh, Zabu? I want to eat boar because they're just making them eat like plant, like protein stuff. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, then what else do we have? Uh, Savage Avengers, man. Uh, I'm like trying to stick through this is we're at issue 24 and cool on goth is still around. It's like, Oh, I hate cool on goth. And this, uh, I can't believe this, this story is still going on. And, um, it looks like things are, are getting better, but then nope. Uh, cool on goth. Manages to turn the tables a little bit. Shang-Chi, um, issue four. So Shang is having like dreams or whatever about... Uh, he, he he thinks his, it's his sister. So he knows where his sister's at, but then it's like 
she's he's dreaming of like their childhood home that has been destroyed you know their father's place or something like that but then it turns out oh i guess the sister's in the negative zone somehow so he calls up fantastic four is like hey uh can you help me there and then uh when reed finds out that shang is with the five five something whatever the or his father's organization and he's like i can't help you because that's an evil organization whatever it's like sorry so they're gonna break in and uh go to the negative zone but then when they get there they're not gonna find a sister it's gonna be something else waiting for him uh dr afra came out i didn't read that and then uh, there's star wars war the bounty hunters issue four this was okay issue, uh, and you know it's pushing things along. I feel like there's just a, it's almost like this. While there's some cool stuff happening and everything, I just feel like Han being frozen carbonite. It's just like dragging on, and I don't know how long you know how much time went 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 by with this, but the fact that like the han and or, or, or not han but like leia and chewbacca and lando and luke you know they're, they're like so close to the han but they're not there and the fact that it's been taken or han's been taken from boba fett he's trying to get him back and so now darth vader's claiming you know possession so somehow we know boba fett's gonna get him back and then bring him to jabba even though jabba was like trying to bid after the crimson dawn you know, got got a hold of Han, so there's a lot of that. And then you know, Vader just wants to face Luke, but Luke's like, "I'm not ready, <laughs> I'm not ready." So, so he's got some some things planned. Um, then we have X Force twenty three, and um, I I don't really I don't like Beast lately. Uh, Beast is is not the beast that we've had and but ironically or whatever funny enough that stuff is kind of brought up here that I, he's saying that they need they need a beast that can be a bastard or something like that that you know is like a jerk to do things so he's kind of doing that but there's a I, I think this is a, yeah it starts off like with this i was like who is this dude you know this guy's like trying to buy some an army from someone else they never mention his name at least in the beginning I assume I was like, is this Mikhail? Is this Colossus's brother? And it was, but it's like, oh, are we just supposed to make this assumption because it's in Russia and he has dark hair? Because uh, you know, I don't know what he's supposed to look like, and you know, we just have this artist's interpretation of what he's supposed to look at, like. So the the army, it's like this Russian doll, whatever they they refer to it. So like when they die, there's like this miniature version, like is inside and stuff like that. So Beast, when they had a run in, he was supposed to burn them all, destroy them, but he kept one because he wanted to examine it. And as as he cuts it open, this other one pops out and then it ends up like going inside his ear. You're such an idiot, Beast. And and in his Krakoan lab or whatever, it's like not even sterile because you're looking at it, it's like, okay, you can see like when it's running on the ground, there's like there's like grass and trees. It's like is this can this room be sealed can you make sure it doesn't get out and like somehow create more something it's like beast is a big jerk uh, but that that's it see i shouldn't end with the x-men oh there was i wonder if i have to update this so there is a new digital only book there is 
a new X-Men book, and it's Jonathan Hickman and Declan Shaldi, but it's only available digitally. So they're doing the Infinity Comics, and um, yeah, I, apparently that's they're the only place you can read. So it's, it's weird. When I open the app, it, it doesn't... A lot of times they're like, you, you need to update your app. So it's not forcing me to update it, but I probably won't be able to find that. So, um, yeah, I haven't read that yet, so I, I can't speak on how that is. But I I was told that the new... Des- someone told me they didn't like the new design, the new layout of the Marvel Unlimited app. And um, I can't speak on that. Wait, I thought I had automatic... Automated, wait. Okay, I yeah, I had automated. I don't see an update here. Anyways, that's going to be comics for a week. I'm just babbling here, so I'll have to deal with this later. Okay, then with Rick and Morty, so season five, episodes nine and ten. So season episode nine, Forgetting Sarek Mortshell. So I'm just going to jump into it. Morty is uh, going to different worlds, saving everyone alone. Um, And he's checking things off on a list. And then he realizes that Rick marked the liquid stuff in a portal gun. There's like a little level. He's like that. I forget what he calls him. So he decides to add some like lime soda or whatever. And then this uh, cloud of smoke appears or whatever. And he puts a tube on and clicks it. And then it, uh, there's a little display on the bottom of the portal gun. It's like a weird fluid detective. It shows up and then, then it changes to, which is good. And it turns green. So smiling, he cleans up the, the jar that he used to mix it, but almost drops it. He catches it open side on his palm. And then when he takes the jar off, there's like a little portal on his hand now. So he tries wiping the his hand off, but the rag gets stuck. So he, he pulls harder and then a bunch of like garbage shoots out, out of his hand, like into the garage. Then he sees like someone's face in a portal. And then he's like... He the, the the face is like oh you got some green stuff on you too and Morty starts freaking and this guy's like how do you think I feel he's he's like I used to have the ultimate stash hole and now I have a kid in my thigh so this portal is going to somewhere some other dude has a portal on his thigh so it's like what what does this mean so Morty yells at the guy but he um that he seems nice but he can't um sort this stuff out he's he's like he's dead because you know garage is full of garbage. Uh, Rick comes in pointing a gun, then he sees it's just Morty inside, and he sees all the garbage, and he's like, gross. So he calls, Rick calls a garbage goober to come and eat all the garbage. He immediately notices that the portal gun and asks, he's like, is that Mountain Dew in there? And Morty says that uh, he saw he was marking it, and he had to top it off. So he yells at him for adding it to the liquid, and Morty's like, he's like, it's only because you don't trust me. And Rick's like, oh, great logic, Morty, because, you know, he he didn't trust him and he obviously had good reason not to trust him uh rick mentions that there are sidekick rules and then morty cuts him off saying yeah 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 you'll replace me and then rick's like are you calling my bluff he's like i never bluff and morty says then fine replace me so rick says that you know he's been looking forward to this he pulls this lever and this wheel comes down there's like a like rick at the top with like middle finger sticking up and there's all this stuff so on this wheel the different things there's his potential sidekicks if he spins the wheel would be the garbage goober half a paul giamatti <laughs> gene with donkey brain so i think gene's like their neighbor because <laughs> they mentioned him two crows sentient s hashtag exclamation point t 
so sentient crap, a bag of meat, Kyle 2.0, and then Jerry spin again. And Morty's like, he's like, what do you eight? And he's like, am I supposed to believe that you built this because you don't care about me? And Rick's like, no. He's like, I built this because I don't expect crap from you. So he spins, it lands on two crows, and he tells Morty that he's fired. So Morty leaves and he goes to the bathroom. The dude in his hand, uh, he says, he's like, that doesn't sound like a healthy relationship. So he apologizes for eavesdropping. And Morty asks if he was a friend of Rick's. And the dude asks Morty, he's like, were you? And so Rick is, then he's uh, he's outside dressed like as a scarecrow. <laughs> he catches two crows and he puts them in like a glass cage or whatever. Um, so this is while Morty's in the bathroom. So the two, dude tells Morty to break the cycle. So he goes to tell Rick, you know, like what to do what he wants with the crows. He's like, he's out. And then Rick shows him his bird on a wire trick where the crows fly around with like some like sort of electrical wire attached to them. They fly around to like a couple dummies with like watermelon heads or whatever like that. And then he pulls and then it's like slices them apart. So Morty just leaves. He, he leaves on his bike. He tells the dude, he's like, hey, we should hang out. He's like, we're like brothers. You know, we both escaped. The guy's like, well, I can't. And he's, he's like, I'm an alien. And Morty's like, well, that's fine. He's like, Rick turned my bike into spaceship for solo adventures. He changes the bike, but then uh, notices Scanner says the guy's on Earth. And the dude's like, he's like, yeah, don't don't come here. And Morty's like, yeah, it's fine. He's like, my room's messy too. He's like, I'll just pick you up outside your... And then he's like, asylum? So this dude's in a psychiatric hospital. Morty asks, he's like, how do you know Rick? And he says that he came home with him... Uh, after the bar or whatever, you know, because he he started messing around in the garage and he spilt some of the stuff on himself, and then Rick kind of launched him to Australia or something like that. So a guard comes um, into the guy's room and says he has a visitor. Morty's there and asks what happened to him, and you know he sees that he's kind of beat up, and the dude's like the the guards like to beat on them on Sundays. He's like, but it's better than Mondays because I guess on Mondays they lick their faces while they're tied down. <laughs> so Rick. I mean, Morty, he swiped a, a key from the guard on, on his way in, and uh, they, they start to escape. You know, So they're fighting guards, use the, the portals to transport stuff, like going back and forth, whatever. So the dude wants to do their own adventure now, but Morty says that they need Rick's tech. So he's he says it's time to portal boys get their own portal gun. So Rick is uh, running through like a temple with the two crows going after some idol. Then they see... Uh, some little creature getting tortured so the crows want to help it rick decides to fire them because he doesn't want another bleeding heart he takes them to this bird planet where they'll be like on top of the food chain whatever since they spent you know one day with him so they've you know learned so much more than the other birds he goes to fly away but then his tractor beam zaps him he gets mad and then they also scramble his anti-tractor beam scrambler so this talking bird asks if he dropped the crows there or whatever he goes on about how they're untrainable because they've already uh, they're already trained or something like that. And Rick is more impressed with what they they can do, you know, because he didn't realize that they were already capable of so much. Morty and the dude arrive at the garage. Morty isn't sure if this is a good idea. The guy like smashes something, and then he gets uh, Morty to smash some stuff. Jerry comes in, and he's he's like, "Oh, I see you you fallen with a strange man. You're destroying your grandfather's stuff." And so he's like, "Hey, I want to join in on this." But then Jerry does something and he gets turned into this like puddle of water. And Morty's like, whatever. <laughs> and then he finds a box that says prototype and there's a portal gun in there. So then they leave in the family car. 
Rick arrives with three alien birds and they see the trash garage, including the, the spin wheel. Um, seeing the two crows, they ask if he's trying to say that the crows are stupid because they're out, like on a wheel. But then the, the lead bird um, hits a device and turns the crows within a, like a dozen meters against humans. And then uh, he takes Rick's mo- crows too. So Morty and a dude arrive at some place in the car. They have some like alien tied up, whatever. They bring him to some alien boss and says that he's been skimming their um, crystal harvest or whatever and been giving it to Rick Sanchez. So uh, the the green goop or whatever for the portal gun. So that we find out now, like out of nowhere, the guy's name is Nick. So Nick asked for the portal fluid as a reward, but then the guy, he's like, you think I have portal fluid? He's like, I wouldn't be living in a cave, whatever, if I had portal fluid. So Nick starts shooting, whatever, and Morty has to put like a burning ashtray into his portal, whatever, to get him to stop. So Rick, meanwhile, he's searching and attacking the bird planet to get his crows. Rick gets captured. He tries getting his crows to help, but then his phone rings. It's Morty. So he tells him everything. He says his feelings were hurt. The, the crows um, go by some device and like mutate. Then Rick tells Morty he'll have to call him back. So then this blade cuts through the bandage uh, Morty put over his hand to cover the portal. Um, Nick fights and and comes through. You know he he like punches him or something like that. Then he grabs the the wheel when um, forcing Morty off the road. So Morty flies through the windshield. The car crashes. Nick arrives with a jetpack of all things. He says that as long as they both have portals, he can never escape him. Morty thought that they were both victims of Rick's abuse. He says, you know, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. And, you know, maybe one night he just tried to take Rick's portal gun. So he starts grabbing Morty like next to a train. Uh, Morty says that, you know, he already has a partner. He puts his hand on the track and the, the train runs over it, like severing his, his hand off. And then they, they both scream. And then he puts a, the portal hand through the portal on Nick's thigh and he ends up he gets like sucked into himself so kind of like whatever eats himself up or somehow um so uh then morty cauterizes his severed stump on a jetpack and flies away the birds make more plans uh rick starts to escape with all these like his weapons he starts shooting the birds but then he gets knocked back he talks to his evolved crows to go ahead and do it because they look so rad they grab the electronic ropes from his wrists and then they fly around to two alien birds and then they say bird quaaludes because when he, oh and because in the beginning when he had them in a cage there was like some feeding things and he was he was going to give them quaaludes like if they could ring a bell or something like that so then he's like you know done and then they he chops the aliens in half with with the the, the bird on the wire trick or whatever so Rick flies back and sees Morty walking. He takes out a device and, and offers to make him like whatever type of hands he wants. Like you could have a hook hand, a robot hand, a lizard hand. Morty says he just wants a regular one. Then Morty asks if they're okay now. And Rick's like, no, he's like, we're done. The crows let him see how bad the relationship was. He's like, they'll never be the same. So he needs to leave with the crows to see what more they can teach him. Then he pulls out the portal gun and he says that he wants Morty to have it. So Morty's surprised. He's like, you really have changed, Rick. So Rick packs up the garage. Morty watches from upstairs. Morty's like crying. Then the the bird ship flies away. Um, so then he's like, Rick and Two Crows starting his new franchise. He's like, like starts singing or whatever. So then uh, the end credit scene, 
uh, Garbage Goober is excited because this red light went on, and his wife's like yelling at him because she's like, "You haven't talked to Rick yet." He's like, "So," and his name is actually Harold, and she's because she's like, "What do they call you, Garbage Goober?" He's like, "You're a doctor for God's sake." And she calls him a coward. And he's like, fine. He's like, it ends now. Uh, but then you hear like Summer's calling. She's like, we have trash and it's extra stinky, just like you like it. He starts saying, mm, mm, I love trash. And he leaves her to hole. And that was the end of the episode. And then with uh, episode 510, Rick Mirai Jack. So instead of Samurai Jack, um, Rick arrives in some like village and they're like, it's a crow man. He has a the power of a thousand crows and he's like attacking these owls or whatever. So the villagers cheer. Morty shows up. Um, and so Rick still has his two crows and, you know, Rick says that if he was going to show up, some more warning would have been nice. Uh, you know, it's cause the, the battle for crows is kind of never ending. And uh, Rick's mechanical crow horse walks up and, you know, Rick starts to leave. He tells Morty to, t- to take care. So then um, instead of the, op- the regular opening, there's this new opening and it's kind of like anime style with the presentation and it's like Rick and Two Crows. <laughs> so he's got his own show now. Uh, he arrives in his tavern. He's looking for Crow Scare. Um, and then uh, this tiger shows up and attacks. Morty shows up again, but now he's like 40. Um, he's like balding. He has a gut. And Rick's like, oh, I guess we can have a drink now. So <laughs> Morty orders a rum and coke and the bartender does he's like, what are you, 20? <laughs> so Morty asks him how he feels, you know, wasting his life. And Rick says that he feels fine. Morty thought that if he gave him space, he'd outgrow this phase. And then he's like, you know, dad got sick, stage four. He's like, you would have loved it. And he's like, Summer's a nurse or, you know, pretty much a nurse. You know, she married a junkie. Then he asks Rick to come home while they still have time. But Rick says that, you know, what they had wasn't healthy. And Morty's like, and this is? Rick, you know, still hasn't um, killed the crow's big baddie. And, you know, he says that he, the you know, they love the will, they won't, they, you know, whatever thing like that. So that's why, you know, it's, it's good that it, it keeps going. And then Morty says that, you know, he's like, this might be the last time you, you know, you lay eyes on me. And Rick says, he's like, I hope not because you look like poop. <laughs> and he's like, this is not how I want to remember you. So then he walks out of the tavern. So then during the night, uh, the two crows fly off and Rick's actually awake. So he follows them and there, there's someone behind the door says that he has his two crows and he can eliminate crow Rick. So it's his nemesis crow scare and his sidekicks. Um, they're planning adventures together or something like that. So he says that he was adventuring with the two crows before he ever came along. And then there's like the pictures of the three of them together and there's also like you can see like up like in through into the bathroom and there's like three monogram towels like cs for crow scare and then c and c for crow and crow i guess uh, and then there's also like three toothbrushes and, and then uh the crows like caught him so they were using him as a rebound and they feel that um he was using them as a rebound too and rick says well you know at least their their use of adventuring wasn't a metaphor for anything more so it's not like a real breakup and then crow scare says you know speak for yourself he's like we immensely enjoy each other's bodies and rick's like disgusted and crow scare wants to show him or something like that and he's like no thank you so then uh rick arrives at the house he takes off his outfit and burns it like in you know on, on the steps he gives his uh crow horse free will 
and then he like sets it free but then he, he hears it go off and like attacks people and he's like oops <laughs> so he rings the bell morty answers and jerry's behind him rick's as like what's going on he's like i thought he died a horrible death and beth comes to the door she asked her that she asked rick she's like can you please turn morty 14 again so morty admits that he kind of used an aging serum to try to emotionally blackmail him uh, and he says that you know he he says he gets it he's like i'm done with the two crows and you know i'm back to make this work so they have to go to the citadel to find the rick that gave morty the aging serum but the place has changed because there's a morty president now and they go to the rebuild a Morty store instead of like the build a bear store and to try to de-age him. So they, they stick him in a machine, but there's like, there's still like 26 years to deal with. And so he, he has to pay for that, but Rick doesn't want to pay. So he's then they're like, well, then you're gonna have to carry the difference. So there's like a 26 year old Morty that, that comes out with them. So he, uh, he goes out and then there, cause there's this fight going on. So this 26 year old Morty's, kind of like a nice guy seems like you know he whatever uh he ends up getting shot and then this limo pulls up with some like rick secret servicemen they say the president wants to have dinner with them because uh, you know rick they call him c-137 uh president morty is impressed with rick and he jokes um about how he's going to blow the place up again or whatever you know because that's what what rick did and he says that, you know, it's amazing he stopped by because he was going to have to hunt him down sometime. And then Rick pulls out a gun because he's like, here we go. You know, there it is or whatever. And Morty's like, you know, he must be a nice guy if he was elected by, you know, Rick's and Morty's. And then uh, it turns out that President Morty was just uh, scanning Rick's brain to build a device started by evil Rick in season one. And uh, they're strapped to the chairs now. So then this like Stan Lee, like Rick pops up and says, you know, it was like season one, episode nine or something like that. So Morty's upset. He's like, I vouch for, for him or for you. And, you know, President Morty says that the sellout Morty's make him more sick than the, the Rick's they worship. So he says, he's like, it's not your fault, though. It's like you were made for this. So he shows Morty how they're genetically made. And, you know, young Jerry's and Beth's were manipulated into meeting each other. So samples are taking, taken, and uh, like there's this whole factory of Morty's. There's like in these big tubes, and Rick says it, it's you know he's like well it's sort of true. So he escapes. Uh, President Morty tells him to let him go because he's the the rickest Rick or something like that. But they'll they'll never see him again. So he opens his portal and looks back, and it turns out that the the mortal was was hacked. So Rick grabs a guard. And you know he shoves him in the portal, and he gets like all sliced up, like a, a blunder or something like that. And then he shoves him through the portal. So more come to attack, and then they they get away. So all the portals are hacked. People are getting killed. Rick uses laser goggles to, to cut a hole in the ground, and then they're in the, the lower levels of the citadel. So Morty asks, he's like, you know, what do you think the you know the president hacked your brain for? Rick's not sure. He says, you know, maybe the plans for the Citadel's dimensional drive or something like that. Morty asks, he's like, so you built all this? He's like, I want answers. He's like, I, you know, I won't go on, on without them. So Rick has a brain scanner. Um, he asks if he wants his crybaby cry backstory. He's like, fine, but not now. But it's like too late. So Morty uses it. He sees Rick arguing in a garage with like another Rick. And then he turns his back on him. So the other one leaves. And then this device drops down. His wife and Beth come in. And they get blown up. And I don't know if this is the first time we saw um, Beth's mom, who saw Rick's wife, but they get blown up. 
I feel like we knew the story. I don't know if we've seen a flashback before. So he sits alone in the house. He's like all disheveled and unshaven. The place is a mess. Eventually he gets up and builds like a makeshift portal gun. He goes to a like a pizza planet and uh, then like a bunch of others to get information. He's searching for the Rick that killed his family. He fights in a war with Bird Person, which we saw you know a couple episodes ago. So you know hunting for Rick. He starts killing other Ricks um, using this like R symbol or whatever. And he still can't find a one Rick. So he starts getting older. He keeps shooting other Ricks as they come in through portals to get him. He's just like sitting in the garage. He's like, pew, pew, pew. Um, then he takes over, uh, takes the, the leader of the Ricks. Citadel is built, crashes into the garage. Beth sees him with tears in her eyes. Um, then adventures with uh, you know, laughter with Morty and all this stuff. So Morty says he feels better seeing all that because now he knows like the truth or whatever. They find President Morty. And he mentions how cruel the Ricks are, so he's leaving. He says, he's like, do you know uh, what the central finite curve is for? So that's whatever he got from his brain. So they built a wall around infinity. They separated all the infinite universe from all the infinite universes where he's the smartest man in the universe. So President Morty wants to leave so that he's like, he says something like that, that that makes him evil. But Morty asks Rick, if he came back because he missed him or because the crows dumped him and Rick doesn't answer. So President Morty says, see, he's like, now you're evil too. He's like, sooner or later we all are or something like that. He's like, on on this side of the curve. So he pulls, he puts on this like an eye patch, but it's like an electronic eye patch and he hits a button. So the Citadel shoots out this laser that cuts through space. Um, Other Rick and Mortys are still getting killed. Rick uh, says that they need to get out of there because the place is like shaking apart. There's some like rubble lands on Rick, like pinning him down. President Morty tells Morty, he's like, you can leave with me. He's like, but I wouldn't blame you if you didn't. And Rick's like, you know, from where I'm at, it's like, that's the best deal on the table. He's so he's like, you know, I wouldn't blame you if you took it. Um, he's like, I don't, I don't have a real plan, but Morty ends up helping free Rick from, you know, being trapped. And then he's, he's like, I'm glad you didn't take my advice. And, President Morty's like, well, that's fine because I lied. He's like, the second C on his his escape thing was was really a toilet. So portal liquid starts um, pouring in everywhere from like the Citadel factories or whatever. Um, then the, they escape on a train to. There's like a bunch of people get on this train to go like this uh, escape saucer pod thing. The hole uh, is starting to suck them in. Rick tries uh, hitting the control thruster to move forward. You know, so then he, Morty has to help him, so they're working together. Then President Morty makes it through. There's like a lot of colors and everything. He sighs. He and he opens this like yellow portal and goes through, and that's like where it ends. And then the after mid what after credit scenes, we see Mister Poopy Pants. Whoo wee! He wonders if there's an evil him out there somewhere. And, you know, he's, he's he's like, I haven't done some things like my job at the university because Rick made me do karate or whatever. He talks about, like, not showing others, like, who we really are and stuff like that, whatever. So it was, like, a, a kind of a weird ending, you know, because it showed us a lot about Rick and the, just the, the Beth and Jerry and so many weird things. And uh, so it's like, you know, where are they going to go from this? I mean, are they just going to, like, ignore it all and just, you know, go back? But... It was a. It was kind of kind of crazy. So, yeah, I I have no idea. And the but the big question is, when's the next season? When's the show coming back? 
Okay, and then uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Season 6, Episode 15, The Fungus Among Us. <laughs> so Among Us is like one word. So it, it goes back to them rescuing the eggs from the lab. You know, there's a bomb. There's one left. Rory goes in. Boom. Blows up. He gets... But then we see he gets blasted out into the hall, and he says he's just a little singe, which, you know, that's not the first time. The egg is fine. Kayla's surprised that they saved them all, and Sarah's like, they're mixed kids. They're, they're family. So then, uh, unfortunately, the explosion obliterated Gideon's mainframe, so they're stranded now. Kayla says they still have her ship, um, but then it takes off. Bishop stole her ship. And then... Uh, uh, there's like this glass window, a hand slaps against a fogged window, and they're like, uh, they're freaked out, but it's Berard. And he's like, What happened to my coach? Because it, it got blown up or something like that. Berard says that um, he should have been there, but you because know, I guess he was he was visiting his parents. He says he knew something was up with John. Um, Ava says that they were all fooled. Zari Nate asked her to come in. Zari says that John's gone, he's dead. And they're like shocked. Ava tries to tell him that, you know, he tried to control the fountain, which turn, turns out is an alien network keeping Earth safe for years. Bishop tricked John into killing himself and destroying the fountain, and he decomposed into the ground, and all that was left was like one mushroom, which uh, she apparently decided to take. It's like in this little pot. Berard asks to look at it, and Sarah's like, we're Spooner. And Astro's like, yeah, about that. So back in Odessa, Texas, uh, 1925, Spooner's unconscious. Gloria's kind of like tending to her, you know, like sitting you know, on the bed next to her. Uh, the legends go to her house. She's grateful for them, but, you know, she doesn't know how much longer she'll last. Nothing she's done is helping. Kayla is trying to, uh, you know, fix the mainframe. She says it's bad. The eggs are being kept under a heat lamp, so they need to be turned. So she's got to do it, but... Um, mix he's like i'll do it and she's like why aren't you out with the others he, he says that he's staying with the kids and she's like well and her people her species whatever it's the mother that looks at after them and he says that he missed out raising his, his own daughter so he's never making that a mistake again ever so nate is uh he suggests taking spooner back to the ship's med bay but astra says it won't matter because um she's like this because what happened at the fountain the, the two of them are linked then there's this like rumble outside, uh, this big shooting star meteor, something smashes in the woods. There's a big pod. And so it's like an alien invasion. They can hear it like roaring in the woods. Spooner starts stirring and says, the fountain is dying. Earth is ours. Send the beacon. So it's like, wait, what is she talking about? Sarah says they need to run now. Um, they start getting attacked. So it's like those like lizard alien things that we saw earlier in the season. Uh, Nate meddles up, but the creature... It's like fast. Ava shoots one but can't get the next one. Sarah's like fighting it. Nate shoots and uh, Sarah's hand gets shot but it heals right away. The last alien hits a button on a pod that sends up like a big blast of light. They must have just been the scouts and more are going to be coming. So they're like we're screwed. Back on a wave rider, Astra says Spooner was translating for the aliens. So the fountain is dying. The power is still inside her, but it's fading fast. So they need to figure out how to save Spooner in the fountain. Sarah's like, um, she's staring off thinking, and she tells Ava that she thinks this is Bishop's plan for her to watch um, her, like everyone that she loves, die, and then the two of them will be the only one left. And Ava's like, it's like, you know, we won't let that that happen. Berard. He planted... Oh, so no. So yeah, they had the mushroom. He took the mushroom and planted it in a, a small pot. So he goes to Zari and asks her to look at the mushroom. He's like, I think John's inside. 
And he's like, look and listen, clear your mind. And she's like, are you high? And Barrage says that if he's alive, if John's alive, he could help them with the fountain. And she tells him, she's like, stop. She's like, even if John was alive, he'd be the last person we should ask for help. It's like, he screwed us all over with his ego trip. And so she's just like, she's just done. Kayla wants to leave uh, when she finds out about the aliens because they almost killed her once. She tells Mick, you know, she's like, uh, you should come too. But then Gideon's back online. And then uh, Bishop comes on on screen. So John is is dead. The fountain will soon be dead as well. The aliens are on their way to destroy them because they share a way of thinking or something like that. So you know he knows like what's going on. Now is a time that Sarah has figured out his plan for them to live together forever after everyone has died, and the only one that can save the fountain is him. But spoiler alert, he's not gonna. Nate says that you know, so he turns off their they they cough communication. Nate says that a younger version of Bishop could help them. Uh, they have the stuff that killed John. Maybe he can like reverse engineer it or whatever and make an antidote. Uh, Nate says that this is the do what Sarah would never do day, so Bishop wouldn't expect it. And she's like, "You're right. That's a horrible idea." So they're gonna do it. Because so since uh, Bishop and, and Sarah they share some DNA or whatever and after he did his this thing, so he knows her her way of thinking. So in Vancouver twenty two twelve, we see a younger Bishop, slightly younger. He has like bushier hair or whatever. He's working in the lab. Um, he has a beard. He has glasses. He's uh, about to bring Ava Prime online. So she's alive, but then she's dying. So the neural network is still overloading. Then Ava and Nate walk through a portal, and he's surprised to see a working Ava. And he asks about the portal, but Nate's like, "Oh, you know, the less you know, the better." So he figures that you know he's like, "Oh, I must be a big genius for you to you know come back, whatever, to see me." So young Bishop looks at the serum in a, in a microscope, and he's like, "Whoever made this is a genius." He's like, he says that he can reverse it, but he needs space to work and no interruptions. Then Berard runs in yelling. He's like, John is in the mushroom. He's like, he spoke to me. He's like, he wants to speak to you. He's like, you all have to eat him. So, and Berard apparently already ate a bit because um, you can see like a little piece is missing. So he ate a bit and heard John's voice. They're like, they doubt him, but he wants them to eat him and he wants to help heal the fountain. Zari says that John thinking about someone other than himself, she's like, not a chance. And she says that they have a plan. It might be crazy, but it's a plan. So she walks out. Berard goes after her, and like you know, um, Sarah says that you know they're not going to be tripping on mushrooms when they have work to do, or whatever. They have to prepare for an alien invasion. So the others leave. Then Sarah hears her name called, and it's like, "Eat me, eat the mushroom, love." So she finally decides, takes a little piece and eats it. So it tells her to join him. And she's like transported. So she sees John like in white, like full of light. And he says hello. And she asks if he's alive. And he's, he says that he's not exactly present, whatever. So what he did was terrible. And she says that, you know, they're trying to make an antidote. And he says that's not enough. Even if they heal the physical side of the fountain, the spiritual side would still be ill. And she says that she needs his help and the fountain. He says that the fountain no longer feels humans are worth protecting. So she says that, you know, he did this. He needs to fix this. But John says that he can no longer separate his life force from the fountain. So the mushrooms feed off death. So he's going to feed it as long as he can. He owes it that much. And he should have realized that being loved was enough. 
but he just wanted more. So now Zari and the whole world is going to suffer because of him. So he has only one last thing to tell her. So something that he's learned since bonding. It's the secret to life. So he whispers in her ear and her eyes just like go big. So Kayla checks on Gideon. Gideon says, you know, nice job fixing her. Kayla wants to leave. Rory um, gets a ship to stand down because he wants to leave with the kids. Um, but young Bishop, he made an antidote. Sarah runs in when he ans- uh, with the answers to the meaning of life. So she says she talked to John and he says, we're all connected. So she- and she has this big grin on her face. Nate says that he thinks that he's like, I think I saw it on a bumper sticker once. And she says that, you know, it was a really profound in the moment when she heard it. So she's like, is she tripping? I don't know. Young Bishop uh, gives Spooner the antidote. She wakes up right away. Nate asks Spooner, uh, is, is, since the Spooner and the fountain are connected, is the fountain healed and stopping the evasion? But there's rumbling outside, so they go. A bunch of pods land, and so the invasion has begun. So apparently there's like thousands of them around them. They're just sitting there. They're waiting for the dark because I, I forget they're stronger. I don't know. There's some reason. And uh, they're going to eat everyone. Nate says that, you know, they're holding the line because it's 1925 that they'll destroy the human race before they're even born if they don't do anything. So Berard asks Spooner if he can hear what the aliens are planning outside. She says that the only thoughts in her heads are her own right now. And he thinks that the fountain doesn't want to help or she, she thinks the fountain doesn't want to help them anymore. So outside, Sarah asks Ava, she's like, will you marry me now before the invasion? And Nate's like, you know, why not? We'll have to fight them anyways. You know, or you know, they, they have to wait till at the nighttime or something like that. Ava says that, you know, they might not survive tonight. And Sarah's like, well, you know, we have four hours. And she tells her, you know, John said the most important thing was being loved. If getting married is the last thing that they do, she's fine with that. So Ava finally agrees. So there's like this music montage, you know, getting dressed, making food. Uh, you know, Sarah's getting some makeup put on her. Um, Astra's making flowers with magic. Uh, Gloria puts this tablecloth over a table outside. You know, I forgot. There's like some like in her family, some special tablecloth. Um, Spooner tells her mom that she wants her to leave. Uh, you know, she's like, you know, stopping aliens is what we do. And but her mom's like, you know, I, I built this house with my own two hands or whatever. And, and Spooner says that, you know, she spent her life thinking aliens killed her, killed, you know, her mom. If she stays, that horrible story will become true. So they hug. Gloria agrees that she's going to go pack her things. Then Astra, um, she caught the end of this and she comes out and she gives Spooner a hug. So Ava's working on her, her vows. Gary comes in like with her gown and he's surprised that she's waiting until now to write her vows, but you know, that doesn't help her. Um, he, cause he's, he was like, that's unlike you. And she's freaking out because, you know, she'd been worried about all the other details. And he basically said, he's like, why don't you just improvise after Sarah talks? And she asked him if, uh, you know, whatever she's like, okay. And she asked him if he'll walk her down the aisle. And he's like, that would be my greatest honor. So outside, um, Rory <laughs> walks Sarah down there's this like very awkward, like barely one arm hug at the end. Berard's playing guitar and singing. Rory um, asks Kayla, you know, he thanks her for coming. Uh, she says that, you know, she didn't have much of a choice and she brought the kids. Uh, so she's got all the eggs. She says that, you know, the last time she left them on a ship, they almost blew up or something like that. So Ava comes down, uh, Nate's officiating, blah, 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 you know, love, all this stuff. 
Um, this moment, this wedding is exactly what the world needs. You know, dark times, you know, love, love is what matters. Sarah says her vows. You know, she, she says that Ava made her cold heart melt uh, because of her. She knows what true love is. Um, when it's Ava's turn, you know, she says that her life before Sarah was a perfect fabrication. Um, you know, she brought chaos into her tidy life, you know, co-captains forever. And, you know, while this is going on, Kayla, like, takes Rory's hands and they're, like, holding hands, you know, so she's getting touched by this. And then uh, Nate's like, if there's no objections, but then Kayla's ship comes, uh, it's, like, smoking and, like, flying erratically. Bishop uh, talks through the ship, like, you know, he's, the, it's so stupid, but he says something about, you know, how nice the gathering is, but they all know that it's going to be him and Sarah together forever. Young Bishop hears his voice. He's like, am I the villain? Then Bishop notices his younger self is there. Alien pods start opening, wedding crashes, Bishop um, says, ta-ta, you crazy kids. And I just, I can't stand Bishop. I just find him so incredibly annoying. Um, they get ready to fight. Spooner, like, flips the table with her mom's nice tablecloth. At first, it's like, why is she doing that? Like, what's the point of that? But there's, like, a crate of weapons under the table, but it's, it's, it's whatever. Astra's getting her magic ready. Rory gives uh, Kayla to, to override control things. For to, so she can leave with Gideon, but then she says she's staying. He's like, "What?" And she's like, "This family's sticking together." Aliens approach. They form a line, but there's a lot coming. And then you see behind them, there's way more coming. So they decide to run into the house. They barricade the door and windows. Berard gets a uh, jammed, jabbed in his arm, and the infection starts spreading. So Sarah grabs an axe. And she says that they have to chop off his arm to stop it from spreading like it did with her. But Zari's like against this. And then Spooter, she's like grabbing her head, whatever. And she's like, stop fighting. And then uh, she lights up and then light zaps like Sarah and then Berard. And then his arm, arm heals. So uh, somehow Spooner gave Berard Sarah's power. And then Spooner, um, she's like, I can feel the fountain. It's waking up. Sarah says, you know, it's like John said, they're all connected. So they continue fighting the aliens. Then Sarah tells Spooner to give Nate's power to Ava. So she does that. Then she meddles up, punches one coming through the window. Um, Rory's flamethrowers out of whatever. So he yells he needs a weapon. Zara yells for her. And, um, and then Spooner gives her, gives Rory his her, her wind powers. I never understood what her powers are. So Astra is using her magic, but then uh, gets zapped. Spooner calls Sarah and gives her power to Astra, so she's healed. Um, Sarah has magic powers and blasts aliens. Rory still has wind powers. Sarah tells Ava that they're not going to make it, but Ava says at least they got married, right? But Nate's like, he you know, hears this. He's like, well, you're not married. He's like, you didn't do the, the I do's. So they all gather in a circle to finish the wedding. Kayla takes off her rings. Her, her ring to, to turns into um, alien form so she can fight the, the others while they do the wedding. Nate asks, um, do you take this woman, etc., whatever. I now pronounce uh, you wife and wife. They kiss. Big light surrounds them all. Light goes through the roof. Blast aliens coming through the windows. Zaps all the aliens outside. They're like running away. Light sparkles all around. The fountain of Imperium saved them all. It decided they were worth saving after all. Then Bishop comes and says, like, oh, you want something done right? Sarah tells him to give up. Um, the eggs are about to hatch. Sarah uh, says that she'll give him one chance 
to give up. He has a gun, whatever. But then the eggs start like popping out of the bag, and Bishop's like overcome by how cute they are. They crawl up to him, and then they start chomping, and then he's overwhelmed by them. They're all like, covering him, and then there's like this big burp, and he's gone. So they just ate him. Gary's like, "Oh yeah, they wake up very hungry." One rolls over to Rory. He picks it up, and it crawls onto his head. So they all cheer. They got married. They became parents. Blah blah blah. Young Bishop then later walks with Ava Nate. He says that, you know, he thinks he understands now. They brought him there as a warning. So he's got the message now. He swears he'll never become that bishop. But Nate says, he's like, that's sweet, but, you know, you're going to have to fulfill that destiny. Then uh, Ava memory wipes him and then they put him back in where they got him. Zari stands where the fountain was um, at before. She's like looking at the ground and she just starts talking. She's like, I really did love you. It's like, I wish that could have been enough. And then she gets up to leave, and you hear, what's the hurry, love? John's standing there, and she calls him a bastard, you know, because she, she uh, thinks that he's been sneaking around all the time. But he says he just got there. He's like, after the fountain was healed, he saw the, it, the fountain saw the purity of his sacrifice and decided to give him a second chance. And she looks at him, she's like, purity? Your purity? You? She's like, don't lie to me. So he's like, okay. She's like, I was joking. He's like, the fountain didn't care for him. He did some negotiating in hell. And a chit to his soul belongs to a demon once again. So the fountain is happy. He's no longer bound to it. He says that he's still, he's still a bastard, but now he knows what's missing, what he's missing by being one. So he says that he has to walk a different path now away from the legends. So he gives her an old key and she's like, what's this for? And he's like, oh, you'll find out. Then uh, he walks away and disappears in the light. So for whatever reason... They're getting rid of Constantine. But Matt Ryan supposedly is coming back as another character. So I this is probably has something to do with the key. I don't really know. And I don't know why they're getting rid of Constantine. I wonder if it's because we're getting another Constantine in uh, Justice League Dark or whatever they're doing. It, it doesn't make any sense. Anyways, Sarah and Rory um, are sitting in a wrecked porch drinking beer. They talk about like the first time they're starting, and you know, he's like, imagine if their old selves saw them now, and you know, because she's married, she's a captain. They're both captain, whatever. He's not really captain. He's like second captain. He, but he's a father again. Rory says that he has to move forward to the, uh, the next job with a new partner, and she's like, I had a feeling this was coming. She's like, you always have a home in a wave rider. And he says that, you know, taking care of kids should be easy because he's been watching her do it for the last six years. So they walk to the wave rider. Then uh, a ship comes and blows the wave rider up and it swoops away. So now they're all stuck in 1926 still. And that's where the season ends. So it's like, okay, now what? Um, yeah. And I don't know if, if Rory's leaving the show. I mean, he might be leaving and maybe he'll pop in, you know, here and there. But yeah. So that was the end of the season. Um, and I I don't know if they released a trailer, like a sizzle reel. They, they tend to do that between seasons. I don't know if they did that like at Comic-Con, maybe. But I haven't watched it. And I kind of don't want to watch it, but maybe I'll, I don't know. I'll see. And I forget when it comes back on. Okay, with Stargirls Season 2, Episode 5, Summer School, Chapter 5. Uh, it starts off in Farmersville, California, 10 years ago. This kid calls out for mommy in the middle of the night, uh, and it, it's Cindy as a child. So she says that she saw daddy 
and he wants to change her, but you know she doesn't want to be like him. Mom says that you know he's far away and won't find them. So then the mom leaves, but then uh, something's like peering in, in the shadow. Then you hear like the scream, like in, in the night. So then in the present, uh, Cindy has this evil look on her face, and uh, she's uh, Cameron's like painting a mirror on the wall. His grandma tells her to leave her grandson out of whatever she has planned. And, you know, she says that, you know, she's like, your father was a monster. And Cindy's like, well, your son was like a loser. He got turned into ice cubes by a pickup truck or something like that. And then the grandma slowly like breathes out some cold air and Cindy backs away and, she, and, you know, and she's like, Hmm. Uh, her, Cindy and her, Hmm. Hmm. Stargirl returns home. Uh, it's, so it's now it's night or something like that. Uh, Pat is waiting in a room He's like, it's an hour after curfew. And she's like, well, what are you doing in my room? And he says he wanted to show her something. He's like, where were you? And she says that she was out. And then she's like, she was looking for the shade. And he's like, why? And she says that she ran into him at the bookstore. And he was the one who told her about Dr. McNider's daughter and how Eclipso killed her. So it was like, you know, a supervillain was more honest than her stepfather. And, you know, so she wants to ask him to team up. Pat's like, he's a bad guy. And she's like, Eclipso's evil. And, you know, Black Diamond... Uh, brings out the darkness in people and also places. So the weather in Nebraska is this week is supposed to be, you know, clear and sunny, but it's not in Blue Valley because, you know, this was like in a paper or something like that. And he thinks it's because Eclipso is there. So he doesn't know how this will help them find the diamond, but he's like, you know, he's like, we're not teaming up with the shade. He's like, he's killed people. He's like, he's not on our side. And then she says that she's sorry. She'll stick to the curfew. He says he's sorry. He didn't tell her about Dr. Midnight's uh, daughter. And then she's like, are you sure there isn't anything else? And then he's like, yeah. He's like, get some rest. So then he goes outside in the hallway. You know, after he closed the door, he just kind of sighs. And thunder strikes outside. Because there's obviously there's more to it that he hasn't told her. So um, then we see Cameron uh, standing outside looking at his painting so far. Because there's like, it's kind of like the city or something like that. And he... There's a big, big face there, which is his dad. The people want that. Then he's like, hey, dad, whatever. So the weather's a little bad. There's like a gust of wind blows at him. And he's like looking around like, and there's just like more thunder. So it's like, I don't know what's up with that. Uh, Cameron uh, wheeling, he has like a cart, like what a little thing with, with all his stuff. Teacher asks him how the mural is. And he says, great, but the rain uh, it might rain, so he thought he'd work in a studio. He drops a sketchbook, and the, the teacher... It's that the one teacher, Paul, whatever. So he picks up his sketchbook. There's a lot of sketches of Courtney. And the teacher's like, oh, it looks like, you know, maybe you found your muse. He's like, every, you know, great artist has one. And then uh, Courtney and Yolanda show up for their summer school class. Uh, there's a little bit of, like, conversation between them. Then they leave or whatever. Because, like, Yolanda's, like, trying to move them along. And then the teacher tells Cam, he's like, you know, your art can say everything you're, you can. He's like, you should show her. Then uh, we see Cindy looking at Cam's art in the studio. And she's just there like a creep or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's like, what is she even wearing? She's wearing like this like leather dress or something like that. So she says hi when he comes in. And he's like, Cindy, it's like, I, I thought you moved. And she says that she wanted to see his work. She's like, I'm sure it's better than all this. Because maybe there's like other people's art there or whatever. Then... Uh, she, uh, she says sorry about your dad and he asks if she remembers what she said in fourth grade after her mother died 
um, she's, I guess she said, she's like, I never liked her anyways. And he's like, no one ever forgot about that. He's like, so do not tell me you're sorry about my dad. He's like, you're, you're never, you've never been sorry about anything. So she slowly releases like a blade from her wrist behind her back. Like, so I guess she's getting mad. She's just going to kill him, I guess. But then a teacher comes in and, and she retracts it. So Paul, the, the teacher, he mentions, um, that she's back. He's like, oh, are you showing an interest in art? And she pulls her crystal like behind her back. And then she's, she's like, I've dropped out, whatever. And then his eye kind of like glows purple. Then Paul can hear Eclipso. Uh, he's like, he's like, I'm giving you a new muse or something like that. And then he like walks out of the room. Barbara's surprised to find shade in her office. She's like, I know who you are. It's like, I know what you're doing. You know, she's like, or she's like, what are you doing here? And he says that she has a quality he saw in someone long ago. And that person, uh, the person she reminds him of is family. And he says that he's there because her daughter spent last night looking for him. So Barbara has to tell her, tell Courtney to refrain from interfering in his affair, his affairs. Um, Barbara mentions uh, the crystal and the weather. And he chuckles, oh, you figured that out. Uh, he says, you know, the weather is, is just a prelude. And he's like, believe me, you don't want to see the finale. So he says it's best if she never speaks of the cursed, cursed crystal again. Her daughter and her friends are much too young to face the horrors within. So he says that if they do happen to get wind of the location of Diamond, they are to tell Barbara and then she'll get word to him. And he's like, it's for the safety of your family. She's like, you know, even if I was going to, it's like the card you gave me has no way to contact you. And he like smiles and he says, perhaps you should take another look. So she opens her desk drawer and the, the cards are and it's like kind of burning. There's like a number burning on, onto the card and there's like smoke and stuff like that. And when she looks up, he's gone. Rick's driving in his car, listening to radio. There's like food next to him in the passenger seat for, for Grundy. He thinks back to like when his parents uh, drove off when he was a kid. You know, don't leave me. Then he sees a uh, Cameron painting and he stops. So he's just like looking at him, revving his engine. And Cam turns around. And he's like, "You need something?" And Rick's just like, "From you, nope." And he drives off. It's like, okay, what was that all about? At the at Pat's garage, Pat's trying to figure out uh, if they can use the goggles to track weather patterns. Um, Beth interrupts because she's like. You know, she's like, you you saw Doctor Midnight die. You you said you did, but she's like, you know, there there could be some something could be could be you know something, you know what really happened, whatever. So they're arguing. Rick enters. She tells Rick that she heard McNiter. Um, that's why he didn't know her. Uh, maybe he's still alive somewhere and needs her help. And he's like. Pat's like, yeah, and that's what Eclipso does. Makes you see things and fear things. Makes you, you know, want things. Rick says, he's like, well, what if Beth's right? You know, he's like, he was your teammate. And Pat's like, you know, if, if he's alive, we won't rest until we find him. So then at school, Paul's talking to class about like Trojan Ward, Helen of Troy, you know, historical muse, if you will. He's like, starts coughing a little bit. And he's like, you know, I think we're going to end a few minutes early today. So he rushes out, and for some reason he goes into the art room, and he like coughs up paint into his hand. There's like coughs up like yellow paint, and then he coughs again. There's like blue paint. Light kind of flickers behind him, and his eye is purple. And then it, it cuts to Pat and Barbara. They're driving to this old junkyard. There's <laughs> it's funny as they're walking. There's like a pile of stop signs with a sign that says like five dollars. 
So Mike's there with Zeke. So this is Zeke's junkyard, I guess, or whatever it is. Uh, Mike was there. He was trying to buy a car. Uh, he says it would be good to have a getaway car. So they want to talk to him alone. Pat says that he appreciates his drive. He gets his frustration. He's like, let's find a JSA project that we can work on together. And we'll start small. So Mike is uh, excited about this and hugs him. Courtney and Yolanda are walking home. She asks, um, you know, how are her headaches? And Yolanda says they're better. Courtney wants to, uh, she sees Cameron. She wants to go talk to him. And Yolanda's like unsure. They go, they, they talk. Then he says he wants to show her something, but it might be kind of weird. So he's like, usually I draw still life, but lately I've been drawing people. So he shows her and she's like, it's me. Um, Paul is staring at a blank canvas, coughs, whatever. And um, then you hear, you've been blessed. I am your inspiration, your muse. So Eclipso asks, uh, what does he see? And he's like, nothing. Then his eye like glosses over with like color. And he's like, it's beautiful. And he starts like painting rapidly, like all over. Courtney is over at Cameron's. They're looking at the view from his house. And uh, the grandparents want to move, but they decide to wait until he finishes school. So then they're like staring at each other. And then he moves to kiss her, but then her phone like beeps and it's like Beth found something, whatever. And there's a map. She's like, I got to go, whatever. It keeps like beeping and stuff like that. And he's like, you did this to me last year. He's like, you always have to go or you never show up. She's like, I will. I'm really, really sorry. Whatever like that. So she leaves. And then like from a, you know, upstairs, like in another window, like looking in down because it's like on a corner. Creepy grandma's like watching them through, through their window the whole time. So it's like they're about to kiss and you're just sitting there watching. It's like, that's just creepy. Uh, they're dressed in the middle of a football field. So they're in their costumes. Beth's been tracking the patterns. Uh, they're at the epicenter. It's like right above them in the sky or something like that. Pat's not there because he's with Mike. He's on his way. Uh, Star girl, Courtney's, she's like, we should wait. But then they see Paul's car in a parking lot. So they're like, if the diamond is in there, he could be in trouble. Which, okay. Okay. Um, there's like electrical disturbance inside. There's like this growl. They go into the art room and there's like paint everywhere on the walls and the floor. Courtney looks at where, um, Paul was painting and there's like this like black opening, like with an eye. Rick sees some like smaller ones on an easel. Um, Yolanda sees a, a painting of like brainwave and starts to get like a massive headache. Beth tries, uh, helping her. Uh, she gets like kind of knocked back, hits this cart and like, Somehow, like, paint gets on her goggles. The door slams shut. Uh, this painting, the, the the painting that Courtney was looking at behind her starts, like, moving. And his face starts, like, like pushing out of the canvas. They all see it, and it retracts. And she says that it's Eclipso, and it starts moving up to the ceiling. Like, like this big oozing trail going, like, up the wall and onto the ceiling. Rick punches the door open. Uh, lockers start flinging at them, locker doors. Yolanda sees like paintings of Brainwave and his son, and Eclipso's like, they're dead because of you. Rick sees his parents. Uh, Beth sees her parents' like marriage falling apart. Courtney's trying to fight it off. She sees them all reacting, and then uh, sees like Eclipso on a scene, like the ooze, whatever. She tries blasting it, but it runs. Then she hears Paul. He's like covered in the ooze stuff. She asks um, if he has a black diamond. And then the big ooze column comes out, like hits her. She uses her staff to get him to see the light, um, tells him to grab it. His finger, he's like reaching. He touches the tip of the staff and then the ooze retracts. So light pours out of him, out of his eyes and mouth. Uh, the others see 
just a regular hallway now. And Yolanda's like, where'd the paintings go? And Beth's, Beth asks, like, what happened? So they, they come at the court, and he's standing over Paul, and he's just, like, groaning. And he's like, my muse, I lost my muse. And there's, like, you know, paint around him and everything like that. At the garage, they ask Pat, how's Paul? So he's under psychiatric evaluation. They tell Pat, um, they're like, he, he made him see things, you know, things that weren't there. Uh, it's, she's like, it's like Eclipso was working through him, but you know, he didn't have the black diamond. So Pat says that Eclipso is getting stronger. So his powers are spreading beyond the black diamond. So then Beth's home looking at a picture. It's like uh, her parents and her, um, then they walk in, they saw breakfast, but not her that morning. And then she's like, it's like, I can't pretend anymore. She's like, I found a divorce paper. She's like, what's going on? She's like, I deserve to know. And they're like, it's a mutual decision. They're like, you know, we haven't decided to go through with it just yet. And they're like, you know, it doesn't change how much we love you. But she's like, I don't understand. And, and you know, mom's like, she's like, she's like, I really need to go to the hospital. But, you know, maybe we should talk about this tonight. So then at the ISA basement, Cindy Artemis and Isaac Bowen, uh, the Fiddler's kid, they're, they're there. Artemis, she's like, why the change in plan? She's like, I thought it was going to be four and four. And then Cindy's like, forget Cameron. She's like, the diamond is all the help we need. And Artemis asks, like, what is it? And Cindy's like, it's power that I control. She's like, there's just one piece of the puzzle left. And she slides a picture of Mike on a table and she kind of laughs. Then we Cameron's painting again. His hand starts to cramp up. So, you know, he's and then he like drops his brush. And then when it, we see it on the ground, there's like a bunch of ice on it. So Cameron must be developing ice powers and he doesn't know about it. I mean, it makes sense if his dad was icicle and then his grandma has like cold breath or whatever. So uh, apparently it's, it's like a genetic thing. So that's the end of the episode. So, I mean, it's good. I'm, I'm still enjoying the show. And uh, it's I feel like it's going at a good pace. You know, there, there's a couple of little silly things or whatever, but it, it's still, I, I really like this. Okay, then what if... Season one, episode five. What if zombies? <laughs> Which is a, a, a. I'm sorry, but that is the most un, uncreative <laughs> title. It shouldn't be like what if. What if there was a zombie apocalypse? What if zombies took? I mean, what if zombies? It's like okay. So uh, it starts off. Hulk is sent through the Bifrost to Earth to warn humanity of Thanos. So just like you know, we saw in the movies. But the world was not one he recognized. He crashes into the Sanctum Sanctorum. Uh, he's like, Thanos is coming. He's coming. But there's no one there. But the cloak is like upstairs, kind of like watching, even though it doesn't have eyes. He puts on some clothes that, you know, it's like this sleeveless thing. I don't know if if it was Wong's clothes, whose clothes it was, whatever. Uh, there's no one out in the streets. But then a couple of the Black Order arrive. So Banner tries changing into Hulk. No! And then this, this portal up opens up behind Ebony Maw's um, head. And then, like, Iron, you see Iron Man's repulsor blast. Shoots him right in the head. Uh, Iron Man Doctor and Doctor Strange and uh, are, are walking. And there's, like, two other people, which is uh, the two Black Order people, I think. So Banner, uh, he's like, oh, you're screwed. But then uh, the two disappear into other portals. Iron Man starts blasting. And then there's some dust, so it's, like, hard to see. Uh, so Banner's confused at like the ruthlessness of Tacker. He's like, it's that's. He's like, that seems kind of like overkill. But then Iron Man turns around. He's not wearing a helmet. It's not. It's zombie Tony Stark, and uh, and the others. Are, so it's like 
zombie Doctor Strange and zombie Wong. So they start to move towards Banner, but then the cloak starts attacking them. Ma and the other uh, big, I forget who the other big dude is. Uh, they're, they're zombies now too. Zombies start uh, to get attacked by a swarm of insects, and then it starts like taking them apart, like eating like all their their flesh. Wasp shows up and blasts Iron Man's head off, <laughs> and then a giant ant picks it up, and she tells Banner to go with them. He's but he's not too keen to go with the giant ants. And then he gets picked up by Spider-Man. He's like, don't eat me, don't eat me, don't eat me. Spider-Man, he's like, relax. He's like, it's just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And then uh, Banner asks him, he's like, what the hell happened to the neighborhood? I was like, I'm trying to think. I guess, I don't know if Banner would have known who Spider-Man was. It's like, could he, was he gone already But at this point? But anyways. So then the Watcher narrates, two weeks earlier, Dr. Hank Pym journeyed into the quantum realm to search for his long-lost wife. In this universe, Janet Van Dyne contracted a quantum virus that corrupted her brain. So when she returned with her husband after you know she was there for 30 years, she was a zombie and attacked. So we see the craft is brought back. Hope and Scott are waiting for Hank and Janet. Um, when they Hope jumps out of the way when they, they pounce out and they, they jump on Scott. So within 24 hours, the entire Pacific Northwest was infected. The Avengers come. We see Cap, Iron Man, Black Panther, Black Window, and Widow. I almost sound like, did I, sound, did I say Window? Black Widow and Hawkeye exit the Quinjet. Cap's about to give the orders to move out, whatever, but then he feels a, a sting on his neck, and there's a miniature Hank chomping on his neck, and the others are attacked. So once uh, Earth's mightiest heroes join the infected, no one else did a chance, unless they knew the rules. So then we see this like video. So it's like Spider-Man made a video. It's like, so you want to survive the zombie apocalypse? And um, I don't know. <laughs> so he seems pretty upbeat and he's still like jokey consider, considering how sucky things are. But okay. So like, you know, there's a sign in front of Happy. Um, it's like Happy, never actually Happy Hogan. He's wearing a shirt that says, I'm not single. I'm saving myself for Thor. It's like, okay. So step one, wear long sleeves. Step two is hygiene. Um, zombies are attracted to the smell of human flesh. And for like for this, they show like a shower and like Bucky's in the shower or whatever. And um, and then uh, uh, Sharon Carter's like step three, always aim for the, the head. That's the only way to kill him. And she gets shot in the head with like a suction dart, whatever. So, um, oh, and uh, Kurt from Ant-Man, Scott's friend is like was helping with the video or something like that. So Peter show I guess what he showed Banner the video, and then uh, Kurt's there, and then uh, General Okie um, from the door Melage. She's arrived. She mentions that she swore an oath, and it's been weeks since uh, she's heard from Black Panther with the Avengers. But she said there's hope because a beacon has gone off. But then it what's weird, so where they're at, just like their their headquarters now, they're in a bunch of like subway cars that are like high up between buildings, head by held up there by spider webs. So I I I don't know what the, the time limit is on the webbing. You know, I, it's usually like after an hour it dissolves, but does he keep going out there and that would just be silly. Um so there's uh, another survivor claiming to have made progress on a cure. Peter wants a high five everyone, but Bucky says that the beacon's transmission was corrupted in transit. They have no idea where it came from. Uh, you know, it maybe it's a the shield base in Jersey, and uh, you know where 
Captain America or Steve trained or whatever. And then Happy's like, just when you thought things couldn't get any worse, you got to go to Jersey. So they drive this uh, miniature, like, uh, they drive in a van. It's like miniaturized to avoid zombies because then it's just like, zoom, zooms up and like smashes a zombie. They go to Grand Central Station. OKA, um, I think that's how you say it, suggests that they split up to find a train that they can hotwire or something like that. And Pat's like, he's like, wait, it's like, don't you have, like, you know, horror movies in Wakanda? And she says that they don't need them because they get American reality shows. Ha ha ha. Um, Happy and Sharon walk through the tunnels. Happy uh, gets speared in the shoulder and then he's pulled. And as he's getting pulled back, he's like, blam, blam, blam. Because they, they, they joked about this earlier. It's like, well, he, so he just has like the rep- Iron Man repulsor glove. But when he shoots, he keeps saying blam, like blam, blam, blam. And when he's shooting or something like that. So he gets pulled away. And then she gets hit in the shoulder with an arrow. So it's Hawkeye, but it's a uh, zombie Hawkeye. So these zombies here, they're zombies, but they're not dumb, dumb zombies. Because then like zombie Falcon busts through the, the lobby and he's able to fly like properly and not just like smash into everything. Uh, Sharon sees a uh, zombie happy come out of the shadows. She reaches for a gun. You know, she's still pinned to the wall. Okay. Jumps on Falcon's back. But then, you know, she has to jump off. Bucky's trying to shoot as he flies. Um, then we see Sharon. So this is all happening at the same time. Sharon can't reach her gun. Um, Happy starts blasting, and he's about to blast her in the face. But then um, she's like, sorry, Happy. And she turns his hand around just as he bla- and he blasts himself. And she says, blam, as he did it. Hawkeye shoots again, but just misses her head. Um, more zombies come out of the shadow, and she yanks the, the arrow from her shoulder. Bucky's pinned down with zombie uh, Sam on top. Okoye comes down, like jumping down, whoosh, slices him in half vertically. And she's like, that was your friend. Sorry about that. <laughs> and then Falcon's like, whatever, that's fine. And then uh, Sharon takes Happy's hand repulsor thing. Peter's uh, still, tr- so he's been like, they found a train. He's like pulling it. He told him to, to keep the brakes on. So he he they want to do like a slingshot or something like that. So he he has two like pieces of webbing and he's pulling them out like stretching them out as as far as he can go. So you know everyone's on the train now. Uh, he's gonna let go. You know the train's gonna start. He falls back when he like let go or whatever like that. He's about to get overtaken by zombies. But then Doctor Strange's cloak grabs him, wraps him up. He goes flying through a train window, and then uh, he walks up to the others. He's wearing it. And Hope, so Hope's, was Hope there before? Yeah. But she tells him, she's like, that's a good look on you. And um, he's like, oh, do you think I can pull it off? And she's like, well, maybe you'll grow into it. Um, Okie apologizes. And she says that, you know, yeah, they should have stayed together. So Sharon hears some thudding on the roof of the train. Um, she gets ready to blast. But then they're like in a tunnel. Something busts in, like through the back door. Sharon screams. Bucky runs. And then he's like, think you've had enough cap. Uh, so zombie caps there still has his shield he starts charging bucky shoot he blocks so again um smart zombies they're you know very capable of everything sharon's a zombie now and then uh you know she comes up behind bucky just like throws her aside wasp flies in and then uh sharon just like just like chomps her zombie cap throws a shield at bucky he catches it he throws it back and it slices zombie cap in half and then he's like, sorry, pal. Guess this is the end of the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bucky takes the shield. 
he turns around and faces zombie Sharon. He pause or she pauses, she stops, and then she explodes. Wasp was standing there covered in zombie guts. Peter, Okier, um, and a cloak come in, uh, she, and she's like, uh, guys, I'm covered in Sharon. Okie says, uh, the kid has hand sanitizer. Banner and uh, Kurt come in, and then they're like, Hope, I think you're in trouble. And she has a cut in her armor through her, or she has a cut on her shoulder, like somehow through her armor. So I don't know if maybe zombie Sharon's tooth cut her, cut her armor, her suit. I don't know. The train's continuing. Banner's checking Hope's vitals. Her her temperature is changing or something like that. Um, and she's like, "Well, you know what you have to do." Okay, says she's like, "You know, not when you know we could be minutes away from a cure." She asks, she's like, "Well, can we really take that risk?" And Peter says, "He's like, it's not a risk. It's hope." And he's like, "Anyone who's seen the zombie movie know that that's the key to survival." He's like, "Plus, it's also your name, so that's got to mean something." So she kind of chuckles, whatever, and she's like, "How can you be so upbeat?" And he's like, "Practice." He's like practice i guess he's like my mom dad uncle ben mr stark now happy he's like i lost a lot so this moment here which is interesting uh they never mentioned uncle ben before you know because we never saw a spider-man origin um i don't think they ever ever actually acknowledged that there was uncle ben so this it's marvel studios so i guess uncle ben is is a is a thing Peter says, but, you know, Aunt May said, if we don't keep smiling, then we might as well be gone, too. Kurt comes in and tells him the train has run out of fuel. So they're going to have to walk through this, like, landscape. There's, like, just a ton of zombies outside. And they're like, well, we can't make it through them. Hope struggles to get up. And she's like, well, maybe we can make it over them. So they're, like, arguing. She says that, you know, if it's her time, she might as well go out trying to fix the mess that she started. And they're like, it's not your fault. And she's like, I was obsessed with bringing my mom back. She's like, I never considered what she might bring back with her. It's like, you know, who would think of that? It's like, oh, your mom's going to come back and bring a zombie apocalypse. So she's like, I started this and, you know, we're going to finish it. So zombies start slamming into the train. Uh, Wasp busts through the ceiling. She's like supersized now. And she's holding the others in her hands. Uh, she starts walking. She's like on them, like stomping, you know, smashing them, kicking, you know, other ones. But they start climbing up her legs. And then uh, she sets the the others like over this like barbed wire, you know, gate or whatever. And then uh, she yells at Peter to smile for her. Um, they start like smashing through her armor, like her visor or whatever. And then you know, they get her. She just like falls back. So they, they kind of take a moment to mourn. Bucky asks, he's like, why aren't they climbing the fence? And there's even like a part of the fence that's like knocked down. And Kurt uh, st starts talking, you know, as they're walking around, they have to be careful about Baba Yaga. You know, he's talking about that, whatever. Peter accidentally scares him, scares Kurt and apologizes. Then Vision scares Peter. So, you know, there's all these funny moments. Banner comes up, hugs him. Um, he's like, you know, the benefit of being an android, you know, he's not on the menu. Vision tells him that you know, the Mind Stone is emitting a sub-frequency that the zombies don't like. So that gives Banner an idea of what the infection might be related to. He's like, so he says some medical jargon, mumbo jumbo stuff or whatever. Vision said that he experimented on reversing it. So he, they show him Scott Lang's head is cured, but it's in a jar. And he's like, I know, I, I know what you're going to say. I lost weight. Thanks for noticing it. He's like, I'll try not to let it go to my head. So he says that the dad jokes help him cope. 
Um, but he's like, you know, the point is vision cured him. Banner says that they'll need a satellite to broadcast the Mind Stone frequency worldwide. But Vision keeps saying, you know, theoretically, he's like, that work. He's like, the technology needed is currently beyond human capability. Okie mentions Wakanda. Um, it's still safe because they have the shield around it. And uh, Bucky says that, you know, he's going to go look for a transport so they can fly there. Vision's like, you won't find what you're looking for. So it's like, what does that mean? You know, what's what he's like up to something or something's going on. So Banner's at the, like, comp whatever computer thing. And he tells Peter that according to security logs, they're not the first one to respond to vision signal. Peter's like, well, then where are they? And vision's just like standing in back, like looking at them. So Bucky's like searching in the dark. Uh, then there's, there's like a zombie in there. So Bucky shoots. It's like, did he miss? Then T'Challa is behind a curtain and he's like, you'll anger her. So uh, at first I was like, who is this zombie? And so I guess it's zombie Wanda. So we see T'Challa lying like on a table. Part of his leg is gone. And he's like, we don't have much time. We have to run. Vision apologizes and says that he really wishes that they didn't find him. Banner's like, what the hell is this place? T'Challa comes in with Bucky and says, it is a trap. So he tells Okie that Vision grabbed him in San Francisco. He thought he was saving him, but he was just picking up takeout. <laughs> uh, Bucky tells him that he's been keeping him alive to feed his zombie bride. Vision says that um, they're angry, which is understandable, but his actions, while unsavory, were nevertheless born of logic. Peter's like, but you, you cured a talking head, but not her? Vision says that her powers are too strong. So they've resisted, um, or she's resisted the treatment. The only course of action is to contain her and her hunger. Okie asks, he's like, why not eliminate her? And Vision kind of stammers. He's like, I, I couldn't. So he feels bad. Okie is about to unleash some human justice on him. Then he's like, you have awakened her. It's like, she hasn't eaten in days. So the door like, um, gets, gets like pushed in. Kurt thinks it's Baba Yaga. And, um, but then he's like, she's like down the hall. She like missed magically, mystically, whatever, pulls him towards her. And then she levitates in Bucky tries shooting, but she levitates a steel door to block the bullets door knocks back the chair with Scott's head. It's about to fall onto the floor and, and smash, but the cloak grabs it. Spidey tries webbing her. Okay. Throws a spear, but she blocks it. Banner asks vision to get them out of there. And he's like, I believe you're right. And he blasts like a hole through the ceiling. So they start to escape, but then Okie gets grabbed by like red energy and she gets pulled back. And she's like, it's just something, whatever, my lord, Wakanda forever. And then uh, Vision's um, blasts around the building, like just a ring around it. And he causes like the building to collapse. He tells him that there's a quad jet in the hangar. Banner asks him, he's like, you're not coming. And Vision says that he must atone for what he has done. But that's kind of stupid because he knows how to cure the zombies. He says that he can't bring himself to leave her. So he starts, he takes the mind stone. He's like painfully like rips it off his forehead. There's like big blasts of light and energy. And then he's like, he collapses. The zombies outside the fence can now step through. Um, there's like the, the broken gap. They're no longer being held back. So Banner picks up the stone and there's like, you know, piece of, of Vision's head on there or whatever. Um, a bunch of rubble starts like floating up with Wanda inside. Bucky raises his pistol. Banner calls his name and he just turns around. He's like, run. So Wanda floats down to Vision. 
Bucky starts shooting, but the bullets just stop like right in front of her. She reaches for them and then sends them back at him. Um, and he blocks them with Cap's shield. The others reach the hangar. Bucky keeps shooting and advancing, which makes no sense. She levitates him and holds him in the air with energy. Then she flings him. She goes like flying. I'm assuming that when he lands, it's going to kill him. She sees the other in the hangar, so she zips over there as Banner opens um, the hangar door. She grabs him and chomps on his arm, which suddenly turns green, and there's like a roar, So and, and it flings her back. And Banner's like, a nice save, big guy. So Hulk saved Banner from getting bitten. Um, the jets, they're trying to power it up, whatever. Um, they, they, you know, they're, they're trying to power up the engines. Banner thinks that he can buy them some time. Peter's like, no. He's like, I don't think I can lose another friend today. And Banner like hands him the stone. He's just like, avenge us. So Banner walks out and tells the big guy, he's like, now would be a good time to be a hero. He's like, nothing. He's like trying to like slap himself, but he's just like running towards all the zombies out there. The, the jets are starting to boot up. Then they kind of stall a little bit. Um, zombies swarming banner and then poof, they all go flying hulk's there wanda and the hulk run towards each other punch 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 the jet takes off we did it peter tells them to stop he's like stop stop you'll, you'll jinx it he's like doesn't anyone here watch horror movies then giant zombie hope rises up she grabs the jet from the back um t'challa fires the thrusters they manage to get away scott looks back at hope and he, you know he's like surprised and you know sad and everything like that uh, the jet flies over to ocean. ETA is 20 minutes. Peter says that, you know, last year, Mr. Stark asked him to join the Avengers and he turned them down. He's like, now they're all gone. Um, and then T'Challa is like, you know, he's still here and in our culture, death is not the end. He's like, they're still with us as long as we do not forget them. And Scott's like, and you still have me. He's like, I'm an Avenger. Well, you know, maybe not officially. And P Peter says that, you know, once they get the Mind Stone to Wakanda, they can save the world. And then uh, the Watcher starts talking about doomed universes and stuff like that. Um, zombies are pounding on the, the shield out around Wakanda. And then you see zombie Thanos is there somehow. And he has the Infinity Gauntlet. He has all the stones except the Mind Stone. So they're screwed either way. <laughs> so it was an interesting episode. Um, I, I did like it. And... Uh, for a zombie thing, I mean, it was a little tame. You know, there are people dying. We don't see anything because it's it's Disney, which is understandable. I mean, we don't need to see people. I mean, zombie Iron Man got his head blasted off, and Scott Lang's a severed head. But so, but yeah, it, it was good. So I, I did enjoy this episode. And um, but oh, I mentioned last week how I, I don't know like what the next episodes are, and I'm trying to keep it that way. But of course, it was like Monday. Uh, at, at least Sunday or Monday, I think it was Monday, where it's like Instagram, like it's on the Marvel Instagram, it's on the Marvel Studios Instagram. You know, they they show you like uh, they're showing like all these like zombie, you know, so it pops up in your feed. And yeah, I couldn't follow them or mute them or whatever, but whatever. So I don't know what next week is, but I'm sure by the time this podcast is live, I or shortly after, I'll I'll know what it's about. Okay, and then Titans. Season 3, Episode 7, 51%. So Barbara gets woken up by a phone call. Um, Dick, then uh, she calls Dick. There is like three attacks tonight or something like that. There's a dozen people killed. 
uh, no history of violence. They're just regular people. Inhalers were, were found on the scene. And Dick's like, they're putting the drugs out in the street. Uh, so Crane wants to create chaos through fear. And, you know, she's saying how they let them. Surprisingly, she doesn't tell, say Dick let, let him out. But she's like, you know, we let him out. And Dick's like, well, we'll put him back in together. So she tells him that, you know, she'll call him from her office. So Crane, um, we, he's at the computer. He's using that, like, close-up picture of Barbara. And he's, like, creating a 3D model or something like that. Jason walks in, sees Crane at the computer. He's like, what the F, you, what the F is that? Or something like that. I don't know if he saw what was on the screen, you know, whatever. But then he's like, have you switched from weed to acid? And Jason asks him, he's like, have you been watching the news? He's like, there's a real party tonight. Crane says that, you know, he was wrong about him. He's like, I underestimated you. And Jason asks, he's like, you're not mad that I stole your stash? And Crane's like, it's all good. He's like, with the new machines, like, I have plenty. So, you know, Crane's like, I'm not mad. He's like, I'm not Batman. And he says, he's like, the attacks were awesome. So Jason says that their partners don't think so. Um, the, the heads of the five family called an emergency meeting and they want to speak to Red Hood. So that's why he stopped by to fuel up. So he tells Crane not to worry. He'll show them who's boss. So he, he takes some a hit of the, the drug and then he starts coughing a bit and he asks Crane, he's like, what'd you put in that? And then he starts like collapsing and Crane just says, like I said, I'm not the Batman. So the five families are meeting. One guy, he's like all like busted up, has some cuts in his face because of the chaos. He's like, that's not business. Uh, he, he says he has 40% loss of income. Um, and someone asks, he's like, what about the truckload of gold? And then Crane walks in. He's like, I took it. So they wonder why he's there. Then they realize like you're behind Red Hood. He says that he's there to reassure them. He's like, Red Hood's chaos is by design. Thanks to it, Batman has left the city. The Titans are reeling. And the city is desperate for a solution, which means they're ready for the final phase. So he says he wants to help Gotham, not destroy it. He's like, that was his plan two years ago, but Batman disrupted it. He says that he has enough medication in place for the whole, to put the whole city under their control. He's like, they had to tweak the drug a little bit, make it more happy and less stabby. His drug offers freedom. And what, you know, what's more addictive than that? So Red Hood will protect their operations. Within 24 hours, they'll be richer than their wildest dreams. So they're like, well, what do you need? He says that he'll let them know. And he's like, the, the battle for Gotham ends tonight. He's like, be ready. In the Batcave, Connor, Gar, and Starfire are watching footage of the attacks. You know, Dick's like just standing by. Dick has Connor trying to chase the, the power signature, the multiplier, the machine thing. Then he goes to GCPD because they have another computer that's faster but illegal. So he talks to Barbara. Crane will likely have thousands of doses available. The good news is the machine has a searchable heat signature. He says the bat computer can't see it. And she's like, don't even ask. Dick says that Oracle's our only hope. And he's like, Bruce couldn't stop Scarecrow until he used Oracle. And she's like, well, then the NSA slapped an injunction against us. And she's like, I don't want to go to jail. And he's like, they'll never know. She says that that sounds like something Bruce would say. Dick says that, you know, he didn't get rid. She's like, you didn't get rid of it, right? It's like, why not? And so she, she's like, well, I imagine a time in the future so terrible that we'd need it. And Dick's like, well, this is that moment. So they go into this big room. The scanner does a retinal scan on her computer. Uh, you know, so it recognizes her as Barbara Gordon. Then it's like, oh, you were with the visitor. And it does like a scan of like his whole body and it registers, you know, Dick Grayson. It offers its condolences on the loss of Mr. Todd and Mr. Hall and the departure of Mr. Wayne. 
So she's like, oh, you updated your database. And then Oracle, it's, it's, and it's like a male voice doing Oracle. It says that it's its protocol upon reactivation. So Dick asks it to perform a search on Jonathan Crane. There's nothing on public communications. Would you like it, me to go on private communications? Barbara says no, but Dick says yes. And then, you know, they're like, oh, conflicting reply or whatever. Then Dick's like, yes, do it. So it, um, it goes through like phone conversations or I don't know if it's conversations or just listening through people's, you know, f- microphones or stuff like that. Then um, they hear Crane give an address and he's like, I'll be there in six minutes or something like that. So Dick goes to leave, but then Barbara, um, she's reluctant to let him go. He's like, I'll tell, tell you what I find. Then he calls Connor to meet him there. And um, then she like command sleeps uh, for Oracle to like, put itself to sleep. Jason wakes up sitting in a chair. Crane's standing over him, and so um, Jason's kind of like taped to the chair with like duct tape. He says that he pities him. He's like, you were reckless. You were impatient. He's like, you know, he's like, you're still afraid of Dick Grayson. And uh, Crane's like, you know, you failed me. You, you, he's, he's like, and I failed you as a teacher. He's like, you know, how did he break Batman? He's like, you know, it wasn't with fear. It was with patience. He tells Jason, you know, he's like, you don't have to run around Gotham after the Titans. You can just sit back and watch them destroy themselves. So then we see Corey and Blackfire. They're in a car. They track down the disgruntled crime boss or whatever. Um, Blackfire just keeps like pushing things or whatever. And, you know, they're sitting outside the house, the big like mansion. She is like, when is Dick meeting us? And Corey's like, he's not. He's like, he won't work with mobsters since they killed his parents. And then Blackfire's like, oh, you know, you must be more forgiving since, you know, you're working with the murder of, of our parents, you know, for a city that you don't even like. And she's like, you know, you never asked me why I did it. And Corey's like, I know why. She's like, it was power. And then Blackfire's like, you know, I wish it was easier than that. So she's like, they they left her with narrow choices. Um, Blackfire's like, you know, father used to say that sometimes in life, the right choices were only a little better than the wrong ones. He called it the 51% rule, which is kind of the episode. He says, if your choice was 51% good and 49% bad, then you take it. Corey says that she hopes that she reminded him of that while she was killing him. Uh, Corey's like, I'll do the talking. So, you know, someone answered the door. <laughs> they, um, when he comes in, you, you, the next you see him, he's like, got, like he's holding his nose, like his, his nose is broke or bloody or whatever. So then uh, they're there to talk to Valeska Knox, the, the crime boss, in her kitchen. Um, and she's pretty calm about it, whatever. And then she's like, it's like, oh, she recognized them. She's like, do you want a drink? But she's like, oh, but, you know, I should remind you that you're trespassing. And she's like, oh, maybe I should call the police because I'm fearing for my safety. Corey's like, you know, she's like, we're not enemies today. And she's like, you know, working with Crane isn't a good idea. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Corey says, you know, tell them where they are and they'll make them go away valeska's like but if you can't it all comes back on me so she's like you know what guarantees would i have Corey says you know life is about risks and if she does this then they'll owe her a favor if she doesn't then when they find crane and red hood anyways their next stop will be her so finally she's like they're doing something tonight she's like but i need something first she's like trust is earned she says that you know she wants recovery she's like she wants something uh, she wants uh, Corey to bring her something back that she lost. She's like something personal. So Dick shows up at the address. 
Barbara's watching through Oracle, I guess. There's a van kind of like sitting out in the open, like whatever, out, like in the parking lot or what, by this abandoned building or something. Corner Connor arrives and um, he looks at it. The, the van's covered in lead, so he can't see inside. That should be a, a hint right there. Uh, so they go, they open the van. There's a guy inside. He's bound um, with like tape and everything. There's a on, on a wall written on other tape. It says, save me Dick Grayson. So they, they knew he was coming, uh, which is like so dumb. So uh, they the guy has like a, a heart bomb on him. Connor, Connor, I don't know why I can't say his name. Connor um, scans it and he's like, I can't defuse it. It's been modified. So then he tells it, he's like, we have to go. There's no time because it's like only like 15 seconds or something. So um, Connor throws Dick and then the van explodes or whatever. Because obviously, you know, it was all a trap. So uh, he calls Barbara and says, uh, um, Crane is an oracle. It was a setup. And she's like, that's impossible. And Dick says that um, they can use this. You know, Crane's watching her now. And, uh, you know, we, we see that. She's like, she's like, you could have died. And he's like, we can talk more in person. And she then she asks Oracle, she's like, how can I destroy you or something like that? And Crane's like watching. He's like, check and mate, which is so stupid stupid uh, so apparently i guess you know he needed the picture and uh of her so by using that that was en enough to to hack into oracle which is just so incredibly stupid and and the fact that he knew because then he said even batman needed oracle to beat me they had one weapon and jason's like and you made them destroy it it's like whatever so and Corey and uh blackfire they go to see uh, some dude. He's like working and it's like he's like welding something or whatever. So she calls him Mr. Knox and he's like, You have the wrong guy. And then uh, he recognized Starfire. And then she's like, Your mother sent us. And he's like, She's hiring superheroes now. And Corey's like, She's helping us. She's like, Part of the deal was that we bring you home. And he's like, Not a chance. He's like, I'm done with her. Corey's like, She wants to protect you. And he's like, You don't know my mother or what she is or what she's done. Corey's like, then, you know, be better than her. She's like, you know, we're not going to force you, but, you know, help her, her, you know, help me save Gotham. Then at Wayne Manor, Gar's trying to figure Jason out so he can find him. He's like looking in his room and, you know, he's just looking around and like sniffing and stuff. He finds like a hidden drawer and he like opens it up and there's like this old letter in there or something. Dick finds out uh, Barbara made Oracle completely inaccessible to them and Crane. So Dick's kind of mad. She says that she was worried that Crane would kill him. And he's like, I don't need you to protect me. And she, you know, he's like, you need to check your emotions. And she's like, why are you pushing me away? And he's like, because you're getting in the way. And then he apologizes. And, you know, she's like, you know, if you want to do this, like Bruce, fine. She's like, but you're not doing it alone. And she's like, Crane isn't smarter than both of us combined. She's like, okay, so we have to go analog. So in her office, Barbara says that the guy in the van, his DNA came up. And um, it's clean. He's not in the system. Uh, Dick says that, you know, Crane doesn't kill randomly. So Barbara says that he has a multiplier. He has a drug. What else does he need? And Dick's like, he needs power. You know, he needs a huge amount of power to run the machine. And he would need someone to help him hide it. He's like, sitting there, you're looking. She's like, there's a, a missing person report filed yesterday by some, like, electric company foreman's wife or something like that. And then Dick looks at it. He's like, that's the guy. He was, in, you know, that's the guy who was in a van. So Corey uh, goes back to Valeska's with her son. Um, 
uh, Valeska's like surprised to see him, and he's like, you know, he's he's like reluctant. He's like, I only came here because Starfire, and then blam, she shoots him in the head, and Corey's kind of like shocked, and Blackfire, she's just kind of standing back, she's like not really phased or whatever. Valeska whispers, she's like, he was working for the FBI, he became a liability. She's like, I didn't have a choice, and Corey's like, I promised he'd be safe, and Valeska's like, well, you know, don't make promises you can't keep. And she also says, she's like, I'll keep my end of the bargain and, you know, tell you what I know about Crane. And, you know, she gives her like a, like a napkin because there's like some blood on, on Corey. Corey's like, I like the shake on my deals. So she puts out her hand. They, they, she takes Valeska's hand and then she starts heating up. Her, you know, her power starts turning up and then she burns Valeska and turns her to ash. And then as they're walking out, she tells Blackfire, she's like, don't, t- don't tell me you told me so. And she's like, you know, we needed her intel, and I screwed up. And Blackfire says, like, you were right to do what, what you did. She's like, this is like that that rage that you feel right now, that's what I felt the day that I killed, you know, our parents. It's like, maybe now is the time to tell you. She's like, after you killed Trigon, you didn't come back home. It's like, you know, you cut off communications to stay on Earth. The people of Tamaran were angry. You know, why wasn't their beloved Starfire returning to rule? So they blamed me. They blamed a Blackfire. She's like, you know, I must have driven you away to have the throne for myself. She's like, there was riots. And, you know, they they thought that if they killed me, you know, you would come back. Mother and father, you know, saw a way to restore peace and, you know, maintain power. So all they had to do was sacrifice their lesser daughter. You know, they decided that 51% was good enough for them too. So she's like, I had no choice because they never gave me one. And Corey's like, you know, why'd you come to Earth? And Blackfire, she's like, I thought that if I took the throne, it would unify Tamaran, but Tamaran hates me. She's like, so I came to convince you to rule by my side, even though I knew you'd never forgive me. So Dick and Barbara are checking things out at like the power plant or something like that. They find another worker lying on the floor dead. He was like the substation manager. Um, and they're, they're looking at computers or any power changes showing up. Barbara finds 1% off of like 50 substations so it's like barely noticeable on its own but it's an enormous amount of power so she can only narrow down to like a 20 block radius so they'll have to check every building dick is ready to go but then um, a timer pops up on a screen and she's like wait look so um it's like 56 minutes dick talks to Corey. they have a valeska's dog walker flunky because he walked in as they're about to leave um he's like all tied up so Valeska apparently gave Crane a large shipment of Freon, which, you know, air conditioning, coolant, whatever. And Barbara's like, Victor. And Dick tells Corey, Victor Freeze, because she's like, Vic-. Corey's like, who's Victor? And he's like, I know exactly where Crane is. So Blackfire um, is trying to wash the blood off her jacket, like at, at the, in the Wayne Manor kitchen. Connor is trying to see, he's like, you know, how she's doing, whatever. She's kind of terse with him or whatever. And then Corey comes in, she's like, it's time to go. And Blackfire is like, have fun without me. And Corey's like, she's like, you know, I wasn't there when you needed me. She's like, I'm sorry. Um, Blackfire is like, well, it's too late to change the past. Corey's like, yeah, but not the present. So she gives uh, uh, Blackfire like a pouch. And when Blackfire, she's kind of surprised. There's like two gauntlets in there. Connor's like, what are those? And Corey says a bit of Tamaranian technology. So Blackfire puts them on, and then they light up, and then kind of form sort of like this semi-armor around, around her or whatever. And then they do this, like, handshake salute thing or whatever. And Connor, um, he kind of, like, stuttered. He's like, you look good. So then they they go, it's at uh, Snowy Cone's Ice Cream Factory. 
Um, the machine thing is like really heating up. You know, it's just like, it's like glowing. Crane uh, tries waking up Jason. He's like, you're about to see that what winning feels like. Uh, so like four to five families are there. One dude is happy if, if Crane can get everyone in Gotham hooked and then, you know, they'll have the supply. Um, one, one guy gets a, gets a, like a, something grabs him and like pulls him up. Um, Jason somehow hears it. He's like, he's here. So it's like, how the heck did he, does he have super hearing? Is there something about like, he must've heard it or whatever. And Crane's like, what? And then we see Nightwing, Starfire, Blackfire, Connor, Crypto, and Beast Boy are there. Crane's up, upset. You know, guards start shooting. Uh, Freon's like uh, leaking out and making it harder to see. And uh, Starfire throws a big ball of flame at the machine. Crane's like, no, 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 no. He's like, this is all wrong. And Jason's like, it's all over. So he's still bound to the chair. Crane um, cuts him free. Corey and, and Starfire take out a few guys. And Blackfire's like, okay, I see how Earth can be fun. Blackfire then admires Connor's super abilities and, and she's like wonders what else he can do. And Connor's like, well, I can show you sometime. It's like, okay, Connor is like two weeks old, you know, because he just came out of his test tube or whatever. And I don't know, does he know how to flirt? Does he know what to do? And um, whatever. So Crane and Jason are gone. And then Gars like sees a tape on a chair and he's just like looking. So Crane's uh, driving in a van and he tells Jason not to worry. He's like, I'll, I'll, I'll get them back. He's like, I always get them back. I don't know what he means by that. He'll get what? What is he trying to get something back or get back at them? Um, and Jason's just like sitting in, in the in, in the in the back, um, just like he's he's still messed up from the drugs or something like that. So the Titans are celebrating. Barbara's there too. Um, you know, three thousand inhalers were destroyed. Crane and Jason are on run now, so they're getting sloppy. Barbara says that she's gonna hit the road because she just had one drink. She thought it was her limit. And uh, Dick wants to see her out. She's like, well, I know the way. And then Corey suddenly wants some ice cream. And Connor's like, he's like, they're like, well, should we call DoorDash? And Connor's like, I can be DoorDash or something like that. Because Blackfire wanted ice cream too. Cause, or she's like, did anyone think to grab some ice cream from the, you know, whatever place? So Dick uh, walks out and he, I guess he goes up, I don't know, he goes to the bedroom or something like that. He's, and he finds Barbara like in a bedroom. He's like, I thought you were leaving. And she's like, I did too. And then she's like, she wants to ask him about the other night at her place. She's like, you didn't want to leave, did you? And Dick isn't sure what to say. And he like grabs a stool and like sits like in front of her. And she's like, I didn't want you to. And he's like, were well, you giving me a chance to answer? And then uh, he smiles, kisses her. And she says that, um, she's like, I guess I'll take that second beer now. And he's like, the beers might have to wait a minute. Um, I hope it's more than a minute, Dick. Um, more smooching. And then, uh, it cuts to another like hallway. Gar's walking out, and, you know, he knocks on the door. Door opens up with a chain and a gun points out at him. He's like, who the F are you? So he's like, Molly. He's like, my name is Gar Logan. He's like, I'm from the Titans. He's like, you wrote a letter to Jason and you wanted to help him. He's like, so do I. And then the door closes in his face. He's like, okay. But then it opens up because she took the chain off. So I, I don't know what that, how is Molly going to, you know, he's, is he thinking that if he can get Molly somewhere and she say, Oh, Jason, please, what are you doing? Then he's going to change his mind. I don't know. So that was the end of the episode. So it was interesting. It was good. Uh, I, I'm, I'm digging the show. And uh, I, what I really don't know is uh, how many episodes there are. Is, is there, oh crap, is there only one more episode? That's going to stink as well. 
Okay, and then this, I, I thought this was going to be a shorter episode. This week's <laughs> movie feature is Malignant, directed, co-written, co I think, and directed by James Wan. Uh, he, what was the last thing he directed? Was it like Conjuring 2 or something like that? So, uh, this was an interesting movie. I'm really bummed I ended up seeing it at home and not in a theater. I really wanted to see it in a theater because, one, I want to support the film industry. Two, I want to support my, my theater. And three, because I, especially with horror movies, I like watching horror movies in, in big, dark theaters because it, it's creepier. So... I always go to the movies Thursday nights, and my theater, you know, you can buy advanced tickets, but it, it kind of varies, like, when they're available. Sometimes you can buy a ticket, like, two or three weeks in advance. Other times, it's like, they don't have the time set up until, like, the week before. So I kept checking online, like, refresh, refresh, you know, like, looking, you know, trying to see, like, okay, what are, then I was like, are they even going to show this? Because, you know, they have, they still have, like, Black Widow and Jungle Cruise, and, you know, they have a free guy, and, you know, so it's like... Are they just not getting it? It's like, that's crazy. Kept checking. And then I was, because I, I even checked the weekend uh, to see if they were had any weekend times. They had no times listed. They didn't figure them out yet. But then um, a couple days, I checked again. I looked on Friday and they did have Malignant. And I even checked, like, even it was like Thursday afternoon. I'm still like checking the page. And for whatever reason, they didn't have a Thursday night screening. But it's like, they do Thursday night screenings of everything. So I don't know if this was like a Warner Brothers decision or who, whatever. So then I was like, well, you know, I got to work Friday. And then I was like, and then it's a weekend. I got to you know figure out when am I going to record this. And so I was like, all right, it's on HBO Max. I, I'm, I'm going to watch it there. So, you know, they got my view, my click, and I hopefully that helps somehow. But I'm, I'm just really kind of bummed. As far as the movie itself, as I mentioned early in the episode, I'm kind of torn with how I feel about it. And I, I think, it's like, what are what are the reviews on this? Um, I don't know how much I liked it. Uh, on, okay, so I usually do this at the end. Rotten Tomato, it's, according to Wikipedia, it has approval rating of 74% based on 69 reviews, average rating of 6.1 out of 10. I think on IMDb, I thought it was at a 6.4 out of 10. Websites con critics consensus malignant isn't particularly scary. Director James Wan's return to horror contains plenty of gory thrills and a memor memorable bonkers twist. Um, on Metacritic, it's at a 52 out of 100 based on 17 critics, uh, indicating mixed or average reviews. CinemaScore gave it a grade of a C from an A plus F scale. Post track, I don't even know what that is. It reported 59% of the audience members gave it a positive score, 38% saying they would definitely recommend it. The thing with the movie, so if you watch the trailer, there's like some killings going on, and this woman who's kind of like, I don't know if, if they mentioned that she's like seeing the murders or whatever, but there's like this, they showed this video of her with like an imaginary friend named Jacob, and Jacob is supposedly involved with, with the, the killings. So... My thinking when I saw this, you know, since it's an imaginary friend that's not really there, I was just like, okay, so this woman, if she's seeing these murders, if these murders are happening, obviously, you know, I was like, it can't be Jacob because there is no Jacob's imaginary friend. So is she somehow unbalanced and she's committing these murders but doesn't realize it? So that was my thinking. 
I won't spoil like the big twist or reveal of the movie because obviously I don't think that's fair because you need to watch it. If you really want to know, you can just look it up like on Wikipedia and get the full spoilers. But I just I I have a hard time doing that. I I think you need to watch the movie. So either go to theater or watch on HBO Max. With the movie, I mean, the, just the, from the trailer, it looked. A, I mean, the trailer didn't really show a whole lot. But it did kind of give it a creepy vibe. And, you know, being James Wan and, you know, with all the movies. So I was like, okay, this, this, I was like really looking forward to this. So as far as the movie itself, I, I, so I did like it. I didn't love it. The movie does get a little bonkers. I think the important thing is if you can embrace that, because the movie kind of embraces the silliness. You know, some parts are a little silly. Some parts... Well, I don't, I don't know if I'd necessarily call it silly or absurd, but some parts, are, you know, it's not trying to take itself like super seriously, like as serious as it's not like kind of Candyman. You know, Candyman is we're straight up going into the darkness of horror or whatever. This is not doing that. This is kind of embracing how it's, a, again, pushing like that absurdity a little bit while there's still some kind of like gross or whatever, you know, dark moments. I think for me, because I wasn't expecting that, I was expecting more of like a you know, a more traditional horror movie, and then seeing how things, I was like, wait, really? So the explanation and stuff like that, it makes sense. Like, how are these murders like happening? And again, am I right in any way? Um, I you know I don't want to hint anything about that, but you know, like I said, once you know what it is, you can, you can you know compare that. Yeah, yeah, I just don't know. And and part of the other thing, which again, what you want to embrace when I'm watching this, like some of the music and everything like that, is like you know, there's like just weird music going on. And I was like, is this like an '80s horror movie? And I think that that's the intention that it was kind of going back to like the early '80s and just again that vibe where it was just it was a different time, a different era. So I think that's I I don't know. I haven't read any re- interviews or heard anything, but I'm assuming that's kind of what James Wan was going for. So, you know, he's just kind of ha- trying to have fun with this, trying to do something kind of weird and a little bizarre. So it does meet all those um, you know, whatever things. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. And and I will also admit so I watched it late Friday night because, you know, I worked all day, came home, did the awesome art picks article, which, you know, took longer. I, I got a later start on it than the normal, you know, after dinner and everything like that. So I didn't start watching the movie until like 1030 at least or something like that. So, you know, it was, it was late. I was tired. Uh, not that that, you know, it's not much of an excuse, but I just, yeah. So there's, it just, it wasn't quite what I thought. But again, it doesn't mean I didn't like it. it. Doesn't mean it was bad. But you just need to know all that stuff going into it. As far as how the movie starts off, so I'll spoil a little bit just to give you like the intro. Um, one thing I did like is uh, like the Warner Brothers logo at the beginning. It's kind of like a like a videotape. It's kind of like you know a little fuzzy. There's like some like static going on, and like the Atomic Monster intro, you know James Wan's thing. That's kind of like the same way. So it starts off at this like research hospital in 1993. There's this doctor talking in video, and she, which is this is what where it's kind of weird if you watch a trailer because she's like it's apparent that Gabriel is getting stronger and more malicious. If his strength continues to grow at this rate, they you know they will no longer be able to contain him. So you know she she says that you know she's determined the lights start buzzing whatever then security comes in they're like he escaped again. 
and they're like electric shock had no effect on him and another doc goes like flying out of a room security you know just getting just like trank rifle ready and then um he opens the door points again his arm gets like snapped when he opens the door reaches in or something like that um the doc picks up the gun and manages to shoot him there's like this high-pitched screeching and everything and you know like the power goes out and like red security lights are on um then you see in this room there's like docs and orderlies where they're all dead it's like a bloody mess or whatever and then uh the main doctor she says she's like strap him in a chair because i I, she must have hit him with a shrink shrink dart and then uh we see they're like dragging and like gabriel has panda socks which i don't know if we saw something about the panda socks maybe i I missed it or something and then um she tells them she's like you're a bad bad boy or something like that and then there's a little radio in the room and it's like starts turning out like there's like static and he's speaking through the radio i will kill you all so he's broadcasting his thoughts somehow which how the heck does that happen you know again you're pushing things the doc thought that you know they could help him she's like i was wrong it's time we cut out the cancer then it cuts to the present day this lady comes home and at first it's like is she pregnant you know because she's like she's like uncomfortable or something like that and you see she kind of has a bump her husband um He's just lying in bed, like watching like MMA or something like that while he's on his phone. And he like, he doesn't even say, you know, he's kind of a jerk or whatever. And, you know, he's like, aren't you supposed to be working or something like that? And then she's like, you know, says that, you know, she had to come home. She wasn't feeling well or something like that. And then he's like, well, you know, if the pregnancy is giving you problems, maybe you shouldn't work. And, you know, so she comes out of the bathroom and she turns off the TV and he's like, I was watching that. And she's like, I, I just, I need some rest. And he's like, maybe you need to stop being pregnant. And because it's like okay that's like a bad thing so apparently she's had some miscarriages before and he's like you know how many times you know do you need to watch my children die inside you so her name's maddie not not that that matters um uh but then she's like she's like you know you can't keep doing this and and then he she tells him like not to touch her or whatever you know because she like she reaches for her and then he like slams her against the wall and you hear like and then he's like oh i'm sorry he's like i'll go get you some ice so she's like on the floor, you know, she gets up, she goes to the door, she locks the door. There's like blood on the back of her head. I mean, he put like a, a dent dent in the wall. So he comes back and, you know, he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I'm trying, you know, like giving up drinking and everything like that. You know, it was an accident. Then it cuts to like nighttime. Husband's sleeping on the couch while Maddie's in the bedroom. Uh, then the blender like starts up in the kitchen. So he like gets up and he goes in there. He's like, Maddie, you know, whatever. He turns it off. Then the fridge opens up. So he, you know, he thinks that it's her. Then there's like the static and crackling and the TV turns on. And like and so he goes out in the living room and the channels are changing. You see someone like sitting on a couch, but you you just see like this dark, you know, shadow. He turns on the light, but there's no one there. And then uh the couch cushion kind of lifts up, kind of like someone stood up. So is there like, you know, it's like someone was sitting there. And then uh he he's like looking around and then there's like a dark sh- shape like behind him, smashes his head against the wall. So Maddie wakes up and there's like blood on her pillow from her head or whatever. She hears like a muffled thud downstairs. She goes down and she sees her husband's body. His like neck's like all bent or whatever like that. And there's like the shadow behind it. She runs upstairs, tries, you know, shutting the door. Something slams it open and, you know, she gets knocked on the floor. And then it cuts like, you know, helicopters, police, whatever. Neighbors apparently heard her scream. They think there's a home invasion. You know, detectives arrive and she's taken to the hospital and... Then when she wakes up, like her sister's there and she lost her baby. So it kind of goes from there. And then, you know, it's like, you know, where, what are, who's caught, what's with the killings? 
Because then there's like this other woman gets like taken, you know, she's doing it's sort of in Seattle and there's like the underground tours, which I those are kind of neat. I, I I did go on that one, the first time I went to Seattle. And uh the thing is like Maddie's having dreams of the murders or something like that. So like Maddie and her sister, they go to the detectives to try to talk about like stuff like that. And then um then at at one point, you know, it's like, you know, going to the moms and there's there's like, you know, a videotape where it, you know mentions Gabriel or something like that and um, so it kind of goes from there, and then, um, and then eventually, you know, we get the big kicker, like you know what's going on, because part of the thing with with with, with Maddie is because she tells her sister uh, that she was adopted. Her sister didn't know that, and she was adopted when she was eight, and she doesn't remember anything from before then. So that kind of leads to it that you know there there's something going on. What is going on with Maddie? You know, how is she involved? Whatever. That's the big kicker of of the movie, which I won't get get into it. Um, we do get to see the fight, the killing, like Gabriel in action, and everything like that, and uh, it is pretty freaky. I can't go into specifics or whatever, but you know, uh, when you see the killings, and the reason, like in the beginning, you get a hint of it because you know there's this like long hair. And uh, you, you kind of get like hints of, of Gabriel's face and it's just, it looks kind of nasty and everything. And it's just with the long hair that adds to the creep, creep factor of it and everything like that. And Gabriel's just like jumping all over the place. And it's a bit much. It's like, how does Gabriel, <laughs> where did Gabriel learn these moves from is what I want to know. And, uh, but it, it, it is pretty nutty and everything like that. And then the ending, it was, it was a, a little weird. I mean, it's, it's just kind of, I mean, there is, there is a definite ending, you know, things are resolved and all that, but it was, it just almost felt like then when it's, it's felt like there could have been more, it's like, okay, it's over, but is it fully over? And maybe that's the point of it. So if they wanted to, to try to go further, whatever, but I almost felt like it wasn't fully resolved, even though it was fully resolved. I don't know. So it's, um, it's it's something and like i said i think my big problem is that i thought it was going to be a little more serious than uh not again not that it's like it's not evil dead you know it's not like goofy whatever it's just it kind of goes in a slight direction that i and i maybe i haven't really indicated why cuz i and i know i'm tiptoeing but yeah so see for yourself i mean there there's definitely it it's it's something different whether or not you can kind of see like where you know, things are headed, the, but regardless of that, whether you can or not, seeing some of these action scenes or whatever, this it's something kind of worth seeing. So you have all that. But I think I'm going to end it with that. So yeah, I did like it. I didn't love it. It it was just it was an interesting movie. So check it out if you can if if you're into these dark movies because it's 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 worth checking out. But on that note, that is going to be the end of this week's episode. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And I'm currently talking about 1989's West Coast Avengers, written and drawn by John Byrne. So it's part of the Vision Quest storyline. 
and uh, almost finished with that. Then there's gonna be some. Uh, I may do like a couple movies, you know, maybe a couple weeks of movies, and then maybe another comic. I don't know what what I'll talk about next. So if you have any thoughts or ideas, let me know. If anything, any requests. Um, but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanformheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that is ko-fi.com slash gmanformheck. As far as uh, next week, I don't know what the feature is going to be. Um, Cry Macho is out uh, on in theaters, I'm assuming. It's, it's not listed at my theater because it's Warner Brothers, so I wonder if Warner Brothers is not doing the, the Thursday night screenings. But it's also going to be an HBO Max. So Cry Macho is a Clint Eastwood movie. Uh, he's he's directing it, and I think I think he's in it as well. But I don't know. I, I don't remember if I watched a, a trailer for this. So, it, I mean, it could be a good movie. I don't know if it's a podcast movie. And I don't know if that's insulting to you, the audience or not. But I just don't know. I mean... I don't know if there's gonna be enough to talk about. Is is what it, what it is. Um, there's also a couple other movies. There's one movie called Blue Bayou, and uh, it's uh, directed by Justin Chan. Um, Alicia Vikander's in it, but it's uh, <laughs> it's about this the guy marries a woman and he's raising his like stepfather, but he might get deported out of country or something like that. It doesn't. It, it sounds like like a whatever drama movie and and then there's a this other movie called cop shop which i didn't even heard of i haven't heard of blue bayou either cop shop uh ha- is directed by joe carnahan and has gerard butler and frank grillo in it grillo 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 um i might watch cop shop i don't know it doesn't it doesn't sound uh that great so cop shop in Cop Shop, a small-town police station becomes the unlikely battleground between a professional hitman, Butler, a smart rookie female cop, and a double-crossing conman, Grillo, who seeks refuge behind bars with no place left to run. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know about that. Um, so, we'll see. Um, but as far as... Maybe, which could be good for me to let, give me time to get other things done... I don't know what else. Maybe there'll be some other shows popping up, but you know, a lot of things are ending this. You know, because there's no Rick and Morty, there's no Legends of Tomorrow. Titans might be the last week. I was gonna pause and look it up, but I didn't. I, I have a feeling it sounds like eight episodes could be a, a normal. Oh no! Wait. So I just looked it up, and it looks like season two might be thirteen episodes actually. So that is good. Um, good for our fans of the show and good so I have more content to talk about. So that's going to be uh, this week's podcast. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to say. I hope you are doing fine. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're in good spirits. Just you know, take care of yourself. Take care of those around you. Do what you can. Try to find some time just to enjoy life. And remember, be good to each other. 